Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Oh my. And the other, other co-host, Joe. Hello. <laughs> with us today we have Nero. Hello. The administrator. Hello. And the 8th Henry. Surprise, surprise, I made it to another podcast. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Today's subject is games. We'll be talking mostly about scary games, or scaryish games. And, and what it, makes them scary. And what makes them scary, yes. Uh, as well as uh, a little interview from Tiger Paw of AirPlus Recordings. And uh, yeah, looking forward to that. So uh, first, a little housekeeping. Well, first, I uh, just wanted to say that launch has gone well and is continuing to go well and also continuing to take every tiny bit of my free time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been uh, difficult and exciting and uh, scary and all kinds of good things and bad things and just kind of rolled up in one. It's been quite the experience, I must say. I'm sure the, the Brian can attest to the freakouts that happened right before launch. There's always oh, yes. something. I mean... Nero knows. There's always something. Like, right before a launch, it's always like, oh, your entire website exploded. All right, let's just fix that in a couple hours. What, a can full of JPEGs? <laughs> no, you know what happened? This is so good. And this is the stuff that really drives me nuts. Because, I mean, I've been working on computers for a long time, so I'm used to... You put a space in the wrong spot, you forget to close a bracket, it's kind of like kaboom, you know? So I'm, I'm used to that that sort of like, you know, meticulous, be careful stuff. But the thing that still to this day drives me crazy is just the ghosts in the machine. There's the shit that happens when you're just like, nah, just restart it and it'll be fine. And what happened was, it was the day of the launch. All no, of a sudden. The day before launch. The day before, yeah, the day before the launch. Like the night before. Like, like six o'clock. Yeah. The six o'clock before the 10 o'clock a.m. release. And <sighs> I go on and I'm still working on the site and I upload something and all of a sudden, the cascading style sheets just stops loading completely. And I'm like, and if anybody that doesn't know what that is, essentially that's what like dictates the look and feel of the website. The colors that are used, the way the fonts are set up, the way that everything's positioned, the background images, everything that makes it what it is, aside from just like a big list of text. Uh, and so the website explodes. I lose my shit. <laughs> I'm like looking around trying to figure out what's going on. I, I exhaust every possible avenue of fixing it. And then I finally call the Brian and I'm like... The Brian! Oh my god! Yeah! Go to the website! Yeah! And so sure enough, he, he goes on there, he's like, oh, it looks fine to me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, check it in Safari. I'm using Firefox. I'm going to check Safari. So we like start opening up all our browsers, and we do like the browser checks. And it's still working fine for him. I pull, pull it up on my, on my phone, and it works just fine. I'm like, what is happening? He's like, John, just... Just restart the computer, man. <laughs> it's like, that is the only thing left. Sure enough, I restart the computer. I call him back sheepishly like five minutes later. It's okay. <laughs> and I was already en route to your place. Yeah, you were. Point. You were like, you like hopped in the car, like, you like threw on your cape. <laughs> you raced over to my house like three times that day. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a trooper. What a trooper. I wonder what the Brian signal looks like. <laughs> Some, something know-it-all and snarky. Yeah, pretty much. So it would look like the bat symbol. No, you know what it would be? It would be, it would be two glasses and a finger pushing them up. <laughs> uh, let's see. So uh, for those of you that have missed the uh, release schedule, I'll go ahead and reiterate that here. On Mondays, every Monday, you can start your week off snarky, as we've come to say, with Artistic Monk by Joy Horvath, Justin Honeycutt, and John Fitch. And, uh, yeah, we will endeavor to make that happen every single Monday, so you can enjoy that. Uh, the releases typically will come out by 10 a.m. That is the goal. I like to aim for about 8, but if it's not up by 10, there's something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but, you know, typically we, we schedule them ahead of time, and so they just kind of come out automatically hands-free. Thank you, WordPress. <laughs> or WordPress, you know, CMS. Uh, anyway, let's see. Then on Wednesdays, every other Wednesday will be a podcast, and then every other Wednesday will be Dinner and Dragons by Joe Visha and Ooh. John Fitch. Woo! Uh, we actually got a little extra Dinner and Dragons this week. Uh, because for the Batman for the Batman Rises, yeah, or Bat the, the Dark Knight Dark Rises. Dark Rises, the Batman. Yeah, of course. You know, the, Joe and I are huge fans of Batman, and so I was sitting around thinking, like, oh man, we should do like a like a little silly strip to promote the website and promote the uh, you know the Batman movie and and the in, you know imminent review of Batman. And so came up with a little idea myself, me myself, the right the artist came up with an idea, and I sent it to Joe, and then Joe made it pretty. It with his words <laughs> and sent it back, <laughs> and then I made it pretty with my lines, <laughs> and it all came together. But it was it was actually uh, it was really fun. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, it came out on Friday instead of mm-hmm. like Wednesday, so a little extra D and D goodness. And then on Fridays we will have ongoingly for several months ahead have a new page on the ongoing issue style comic. Terrible, terrible suicidal monkey machine, or I think it's the terrible suicidal the terrible, the terrible suicidal monkey machine. machine. There can be only one. There can be only one. <laughs> so let's see. And then um, on Fridays, not all the time, but sometimes there will be a review, a uh, movie review, in sometimes in the form of a just written review, and then sometimes in the form of what we've come to call a quickie review, where we, you know, get out the mobile recording stuff in the Denny's parking lot in the car and talk shit about the movie, and then I go home and post it up, and then finally go to bed, which is what happened with the uh, the Dark Knight Rises review. Oh, uh, unfortunately, o'clock. Yeah, no, we were recording the review at 3.30 in the morning because it's yeah. a three-hour movie and we watched it in San Francisco and we live about an hour away from there. Anyway, uh, actually, yeah, on Friday I went to Thursday night, well, yeah, I guess technically Thursday night, Friday morning, went to go see The Dark Knight Rises uh, in San Francisco at the Metreon in IMAX, which is truly the finest way to watch a movie uh, in within reasonable driving distance. And... Um, Actually, was the only one of the PM crew that was able to go because that show sold out in like three hours. <laughs> oh, uh, and yeah. so I have a friend who who uh, who I call the 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 Batman superfan Todd. So he able to, was able to get a ticket and he invited me. And so I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so I ended up going out there and checking that out, and it was amazing. And we put up a review. You can check it out in the review section, reviews.pandamanga.com, for a little quickie review. Uh, we've taken to putting the image and a quick little snippet of our final rating, so you don't actually have to listen to the whole review, although you should because it's great and we rule. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, let's see, a little couple more things in the housekeeping section. We've got something, let's see here. We are still working on uh, getting together with our local GameStop to do midnight release casts. Um, we haven't quite decided which game to do, uh, and we were also waiting until after the launch. Obviously, we are after the launch at this point, and so it is time to step into that and do that. We ordered a couple t-shirts to hand out. It'll be a bunch of fun. Hopefully we can get a couple people from the Geek Life crew to go out there and work with us. Uh, administrator is offered to come. Uh, Brian is offered to come. I think Joe is offered to come. Yeah, if I get money. Right. And and uh, and Nero says he'll be there if it's anything to do with Call of Duty. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's still very much coming and happening, uh, but obviously no actual dates and information yet. Uh, I went over there the other day, as I do often, and spoke with the manager, and he's still very excited. Actually, before I even got up to the cash register, he was like, oh, are we still going to do that podcast? So, definitely still happening. He's still very excited about that. So, look forward to that. Upcoming conventions are SAC Anime, August 31st through September 2nd. 
We will try to be there in the press capacity, interviewing people and uh, you know, putting up a little blog and day-to-day -day sort of information about that convention. Uh, we're not going to have a booth for Panda Manga or for any of the comics yet because we don't really feel like we have enough content for the uh, for the artists and the comics. And then Panda Manga doesn't really have enough exposure to realistically generate any interest as far as uh, as far as like portfolio reviews and stuff. It's still kind of a little early for that, but that is the ultimate goal. So look uh, for a bunch of people running around with big PM on their shirt if you end up at Sack Anime. And then coming up in October is Ape. Ape's press info. We will be at Ape either way. We love Ape. And we'll yeah. be at Sack Anime either way anyway. Uh, on As far as Sack Anime is concerned, and uh, trying to get press passes is something new for us. And so we're still waiting to hear back from the Sack Anime people. And they haven't even opened the opportunity to apply for a press pass for Ape yet, so that's forthcoming. But either way, we'll be there virally, you know, just being douchebags and handing out stuff. Um, <laughs> but hopefully we can be there in official capacity and really, really do that. That would definitely what we would prefer. And Ape is the Alternative Press Expo. Yes, Ape, Ape is the Alternative Press Expo. It is, like, the most independent uh, one of, like, the big three put on by Comic-Con Comic or International. Mm -hmm. um, the other two being Comic-Con and WonderCon. It's kind of funny because when we went to the SACCon, not SAC anime, but SACCon a couple months ago, we spoke with Decaster, and it's interesting to see kind of the perspective of the people who are in the community uh, as from, like, the artist and comic creator side, hearing that, you know, Ape is considered, like, one of the big ones, even though it's the alternative press expo. Mm -hmm. Like, people think that, like, that one is, like, really overpriced, and you really better have your shit together to be there because, <laughs> you know, it's really expensive, and it's a huge opportunity, and it's kind of, mm -hmm. like, super difficult to get in, and it can kind of be an old boys club, and it's like, wait, the alternative press expo is like that? Yeah. So, anyway. It's where the indie artists go to sell out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it would seem... One last item on housekeeping. Our uh, forever partner and, and just excellent compatriot in web mayhem, AirPlus Recordings, who always provides really great music, uh, our intro and outro songs, as well as any interlude songs, are always from AirPlus Recordings. Uh, they have just, uh, are about to release... The Singles, Volume 3. Uh, actually, at the time of this recording, it'll be coming out in a couple days, but uh, the day this releases, so right now, it is available. Go to airplusrecordings.com and check out The Singles, Volume 3. I believe it is also available on iTunes. Um, but yeah, airplusrecordings.com for any more info about that. This is a big one, ladies and gentlemen. I think this one is over 20 tracks, two discs long. Uh, I just got the uh, the early stuff of it from Airplus head Tigerpaw, and been listening to it in the car, and picking some stuff for the podcast pretty cool so we'll we'll throw something down for that and then a little later on in the podcast we'll actually have an opportunity to sit down and talk with tiger paw about what's going on with air plus and you know how we see our collaboration moving forward and um exciting things in their world because it's always great to see a partner of panda manga really doing well and they are doing really well and he's always just lots of fun to he, talk to absolutely he's absolutely bastard it's just <laughs> yes he's definitely definitely crazy Known that kid forever, man. <laughs> All right, and uh, that is it for housekeeping. So first off, I wanted to talk a little bit of news in the game world. I think something that's really relevant, especially relevant to us, you know, indie people who love indie games and indie movies and indie whatever, and you know, just love all the indie anything. Uh, there is Indiana an Jones. Indie, uh, yes. Ugh. Indianapolis. Indiana. <laughs> not until there was. Not until there was. Therefore, aliens. That's not allowed. The indie. Uh, I like to call it the. Uh, Indiana Jones trilogy. I delusionally believe that the fourth one doesn't exist. It really should. Also, exist. Young Indiana Chronicles is cool, but yeah, no four. Okay, 
Well, in the uh, vein of cool independent game news, the Ouya is in the forefront of game news recently. Have you guys heard about this thing? Oh, yeah. No? The Ouya. All right, let me pull up the Kickstarter. Let's see what they have to say here. Cracking open the last closed platform, the TV, a beautiful, affordable console built on Android by the creator of Jambox. So they're looking for the Ouya to be the kind of one-stop shop for independent gaming on your television. The plan is to access the vast and all things considered in comparison to computers, the uh, much larger and more lucrative console market with uh, things like independent games, Android games, iPhone games, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they're talking about having things like the uh, that like one cover shooter shadow something for well, I don't know what it was called. But anyway, I've, uh, you look through the information, you can go to Kickstarter and type in O-U-Y-A, and you'll be able to find it, or even just Google Ouya, and you'll find all kinds of information on it. Uh, but essentially, like I said, coming out, I, I believe it's something like 90, yeah, $99, and it's built on the Android platform. It looks like they're trying to be the choice place for indie games to get developed and put out. I believe that Mojang has come forward and said that Mojang, creator of Minecraft, has come out and said, we are excited about this Ouya, and we hope to have everything that Mojang comes out with in the future come out on the Ouya, as well as other platforms, of course. So yeah, oh yeah, Shadowgun. So here's got a couple things. Minecraft, Cannibalt, Shadowgun. These are some of the big names in, in kind of the mobile gaming market, oh. and they're looking to put them on high definition on the television. Uh, it actually has some pretty interesting or pretty decent specs. Let's go ahead and read these out for you techies out there. Okay, so the specifications. It has a Tegra 3 quad-core processor, 1 gigabyte of RAM, 8 gigabytes of internal flash storage, an HDMI connection for TV that supports up to 1080p, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, USB 2.0, only one USB 2.0, uh, wireless controllers with standard controls, analog sticks, D-pad, all that kind of stuff, uh, Android 4.0, and an Ethernet plug. So kind of your normal sort of run-of-the-mill stuff. I understand this is this is probably comparable to maybe like at or a little above the Wii, Wii sort of power level. Does that sound about right? Well, probably a little more powerful than that. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely got four processors instead of one. Yeah, the Tegra, like the Tegra 2 processor is pretty dang impressive. So yeah. the 3, I haven't had a chance to see anything on that, but I'm sure... It'll turn out some really nice stuff. Well, it's really exciting. I mean, do you guys have anything you want to say about this? I mean, or is this just kind of out of this left field? I can talk about this for a while. Okay, so let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's hear what you have to say, Nero. Well, I, I think what's really cool about selecting the Tegra processor is that it's really kind of a mobile processor. So this could really foray into a mobile console later on. So all the games being developed for it probably work pretty similarly if they keep the, the gamepad and stuff. Especially so. since it's built on Android. So Exactly. Well, it's, that's what this starting out to do is it's looking like most of the, if not all of the popular games, especially the more graphically intense games, things that are coming out on the most recent iPhones and iPads and things like that that are pretty tough and powerful are going to work on this. You know, things like Infinity Blade and stuff like that that's gorgeous anyway. You could come home and play on your main, on your big, you know, big screen and everything like that. It's pretty exciting. Mm. Um, I Personally, I think that the thing that sticks out to me the most is is the way they're going about it. I understand that they're having little or no development cost stuff. Yeah, it'll probably be a pretty close to like an open source type of development, open development, where I, I think they said the SDK is going to be no charge and they're going to distribute it to as many people that want it. Yeah, and they've been going way out of their way to help teach people how to use it and really be user-friendly as far as the development community is concerned. I understand. I, I think I was reading online that they said something about it being that they encourage hacking. Yeah. That they allow it. It is apparently very easy to get to I think on their side, it's something like Hacker's Welcome. Yeah, Hacker's Welcome, exactly. And it's like exciting because, you know, most of the time that's something that 
consoles fight tooth and nail. And the things that consoles can do, if they're really kind of, you get to kind of get access, root access and have somebody who really knows what they're doing unlock the key, aside from the unfortunate things of stealing games. But, which killed but, the PSP. Which killed the PSP. But the things that a system can do are typically far, far uh, in excess of what they normally do just kind of out of the box. Well, like you said, I think it's a double-edged sword, too, being that open, because large content providers are going to be really afraid of this. So it's really going to put the emphasis on open-source developers and people that have a really not a heavy development cost to put games out for. Um, so well, they're supposed to be also focusing a little bit on free-to-play games, so doing like microtransactions and stuff. So it's kind of like, so what if you have the files on your computer? It's free-to-play anyway. You have to go into our marketplace to get like, you know, end coins or whatever, yeah. you know. So I mean, it's definitely a very games. different aim. They're having, they're, I mean, it's a similar market they're trying to tap into, like the console market, because it's huge and awesome. But at the same time, it looks like they're kind of getting real particular about, you know, what they want to do with the system. Um, me personally, I'm super excited about the opportunity to see where the hackers take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, with the PSP, my PSP became like an emulation machine. You know, and I know there's a lot of controversy about emulation and stuff like that, but I mean, let's get real, people. Half of the games that I want to play on emulation, you just can't get anymore. Right. It's the only damn way to play a bunch of the games that you I want to play. If I want to play Totally Rad for the NES, how am I going to make that happen for myself? It's just not realistic. You can you know? spend thousands of dollars on eBay. Right, exactly. And, you know, and the forever, you know, the administrator is in the game development community, and so she appreciates money going to the developers, purchasing new games, the used game market controversy, you know, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure that you're probably either firmly on or at least very much understand the perspective of, no, you need to support the games for real, not just be supporting GameStop. Absolutely. Like the flip side of that is that with something like emulators, there's no real way to get the money to the developers. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, like a game that's so obscure, like totally rad. Like I don't even remember who who made that, but it's pretty safe bet that they're not around. Oh yeah, anymore. no doubt. Or mm-hmm. the people that that actually worked on the game, even if the developer is still there in some way, has been you know they're they're not there anymore, and the developer has been gobbled up and taken somewhere else. You know, it's just like those the games. Once you get old enough, it's kind of like it should really just be. I feel like it's kind of like public domain. You know, like the old yeah. NES games, even some of the SNES games. It's like it's hard to get. You can get some of the stuff with the advent of things like the, you know, the Wii Marketplace and Xbox Live and, you know, the PSN stuff and some but it's like it's it's totally not up to us. Yeah. Which ones get up there and there's a lot of games that I want to play from my childhood that you just can't and emulators are the only way. And really like the two nerds that made Choplifter back in 86, <laughs> they're not going to be too butthurt about the like 9 cents they would have gotten in royalties from you buying it anyway. Actually, well, yeah, I don't even honestly know how that all works. I mean, do the developers get royalties ongoingly, or is that really more the publisher? Publishers. Yeah, I mean, depending, yeah. depending. I mean, if you if you're like a huge development company, I mean, maybe I could understand. I, mean, I could see that you actually get some some sort of royalties. But my understanding is, it's typically like you've got the skills and the manpower to do this, but you don't have the money to make it happen. A developer comes in, fronts the cash, they pay you to make the game, this is what you get paid, period, and then the developer makes the ongoing residuals and stuff to make back what their investment was. Well, especially um, with the older games, like what uh, Joe was talking about, we're talking about an era when when people who are actually working on the games themselves didn't even get credits. You know, you've got, like, by Activision... The end. Okay, who's the dude that was actually making <laughs> right, the sprites? Exactly. Right. That's why we had the secret levels where you would go in and then you see this scrolling list of all these names because the artist and the programmers were just so sick of not getting any credit. Right. 
Well, also going back to the early 80s and 70, late 70s when, you know, the computer industry, gaming industry was developing, you really have not any major gaming or publishers yet. So you do have a lot of people that self-published these original classics that probably probably do make a residual, still have the license on some of the early classics. But like you said, as soon as the major companies start coming around, then that became more and more per pervasive. And then some of them, like the rights have just been bought up by companies, you know, so right. they aren't getting the royalties on those. It's Namco or... Right. Activision that's now getting them in their classic collections. And the other half has gone to Abandonware. There's plenty of websites oh, that, that track. Yes. Uh, right. What doesn't have license anymore, they can freely distribute, and that's a thriving right. community. So, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, so, I mean, I think that we all kind of share a, a similar sort of conviction about, I don't really feel that bad about playing emulators. You yeah. know, I mean, I, I don't want to openly on, you know, Pandamanga support, you know, pirating because that's not okay. Because you do need to support the people that spend their time, energy, and money making a creative endeavor of some kind. I mean, we all, everybody sitting at this table in some capacity is involved in creating something. And so, you know, it's all important to us that the people that actually work on it actually get paid for it and get credit for it where it's due. But, you know, I don't mind if, if you know, if I made a game 30 years ago or something. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like, mm. come on, you know, so... Well, also, I think we probably would all agree that if we had the opportunity to buy the game again, we definitely would. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you could go buy the game for what it was originally, and but I mean, like, if you had the opportunity to do that, yeah, sure, I'd go down and pay what was like fifteen, thirty dollars for something. Yeah, like and iOS has done that with a lot of great titles. When you can get it for a buck, there's just so many like retro throwbacks. And exactly. even on the major consoles, I mean, Bionic Commando on Xbox. There's been a couple of revivals. Bionic so. Commando Rearmed was great. Yeah, it was excellent. I would Mayhem. not buy Dragon Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's head this off right now. No, no, no. Everybody, literally everybody on the planet knows that you hate Dragon Spirit. But things like Mystical Ninja for the Nintendo 64, Nintendo lost that license. That game will never see American Shores again. I love that game. Yeah, that game was great. That was the first hours. game I ever stayed up all night for. But yeah. <laughs> I, the only choice is emulation, unless I find my Nintendo 64 cartridge. Yep. Oh, God, I wish I could find my Nintendo 64 cartridge with that game. Yeah, I mean, really, you get right down to it, it's like, yeah, maybe emulation, you're taking money away from, like, eBay hawkers and random classic game sellers and stuff like that, but... But really, there's only so many of those actual games that exist. When it comes down to it, the only people who are going to hunt desperately for the actual item are the people who don't have the technological know-how or know people who do to get them either a pirated copy or some sort of emulator. Right, or just for collectors. Right. And at this point, yeah. and screw them. They're not going to see any money. The <laughs> yeah, developers they, they aren't going to see money. money so, that. so I mean, but that that to me is probably. I mean, and that doesn't really seem like anything that the Ouya is like saying. Hey, this is a feature. But to me, that seems like easily the most exciting thing is to see you know the homebrew type stuff that's going to get put on there. Yeah. That you know you'll be able. It'll, I mean, it'll definitely be the one stop shop for emulation, regardless of whether that's right, wrong, good, bad. It will be the one stop shop for emulation. Does anybody else? I mean, that I I think that's very likely. I would bet so. I mean, there are emulators out there already for just about everything on the Android. Right, exactly. So and if it's there, right Android you can, 4, you can you throw know. emulators on your on your current systems, the PS3, the Xbox, except yeah. that the you typically have to sacrifice system updates and all kinds of features and yeah. stuff. With something like this, where they're like, "Hackers, welcome, come on in." It's like this is going to be the place. Yeah, I My, think a lot of the PlayStation Three Linux guys are going to come over to this platform. Absolutely, and, you know, and, and you know, perhaps we may even see a resurgence of. The guys that you know maybe still have the rights for it, or you know, back 
in the day forever ago, and it's so inexpensive to develop for this that they can just come out and actually start offering some of these ancient old games, and we can actually get money to the people who really deserve to have money. In the I would love to see mm -hmm. some of those like fan-made games because there's like actually right. a Wing Commander fan-made game that yes, takes place really. after three. There is a King's Quest fan-made oh, game that no. they actually like had to change the name so it doesn't say King's Quest. I forget what it's called now. Queen's Quest. No, I'll, I'll, I think it's like the silver lining or something like that. I'll find out the information Sweet. for you. Yeah, um, I would love to see a lot of those fan-made games on there. But one concern that I have looking at the tech specs is 8 gigs of memory, and it didn't look like there was any way to add memory to it. That is a bit of a concern, because that's not that much memory in this day and age, especially when we're talking HD kind of games. As much as I'd love to sit there and on my TV with a controller play the Xenonia games because those aren't that big and I love those games. Right. Uh, my, 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 I have a sneaking suspicion that there'll be a way to expand that. I don't think that I'd they're going to so. put a cap uh, of 8 gigabytes for game space and save. I mean, I, I bet ridiculous. that you could plug in a flash drive or something like that. Well, External have, hard drive, flash yeah. drive. There may even be a slot for an internal hard drive and they're just selling it for $99 without an actual internal hard drive just having like an 8 gig stick in there. <laughs> Maybe there's exchangeable sticks. I mean, you can get you know, 32, 64 gigabyte sticks. I mean, yeah. if they follow the Android pattern, it'll probably be some type of SD card. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's my get. That's what I'd hope. I didn't see anything about an SD slot though. That was my only real concern about it. Well, I mean, and again, this is not in any way final as it is right now. I mean, this right. is a Kickstarter thing. Uh, actually, let me see how much they actually have on Kickstarter right now. Uh, let's see. They have 17 days to go and they have, <laughs> they have made 5 million, 385,000, $433. Now, do, do we know if the price goes up when Kickstarter's over, too? Because this might be the only chance to get it for 100 uh, I think... No, I don't think so. I, because it's not... The, the $100 is not listed as this is what you get for being a backer for $99. I think that the $99 is like, this is what we plan to sell it as. Really, and any much more, you're hitting the Nintendo Wii price anyway, yeah. and that's defeating the purpose. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah and, and as far as emulation go, I know there's two type of emulators. There's the ones to get it working and functional and there's the accuracy ones that where the sound works and i know there's some like super nintendo games like tasmania where if the chips aren't timed exactly right you can't even beat the game right so um i think this is a little underpowered for some of the accuracy emulators mm -hmm. um but definitely like i said for, for the general run of the mill emulators they already got them working on android phones so this will just be a hop skip and a jump for sure it's pretty exciting so yeah, I think that's all for the news, I and mean, we kind of bird-walked on that subject a little bit, but it's super exciting, and anybody that is at all involved in the gaming community should have their eye on this. You know, sometimes these hundreds and hundreds of dollars you pay for a console living room gaming experience is just a cost prohibitive, and so it's nice to have something like this out there that has games that we want to play. I mean... You know, my roommate's always playing Minecraft on his Xbox. It's like, why not on this? You know? And I can see th apps like Netflix and other non-gaming totally stuff. Yeah. That would I mean, this is going to be like your one-stop shop for that sort of stuff. Roku is not going to be needed with something like this. Roku's like $30 less expensive than this, and this has so much more options. It's crazy. Yeah, it runs Android, so you'd figure that just about anything that runs on Android, as long as they have you know, the right tech specs will run on this. Right, and it's just, I, just, I think it's super exciting. It's just yet another example of Kickstarter just, just mixing shit up. All right, but uh, right now, how about we take a break, listen to some music, and come back with... The Walking Dead review. Walking Dead episode two. Episode from two. From Telltale Games. Yes, lots of fun. But in the meantime, you're listening to Geek Life on Pandemania.
And welcome back to Geek Life, Panda Manga's very own podcast. Right now we're going to discuss the game The Walking Dead Part 2 by Telltale Games. If you missed it on one of the previous zombie podcasts, we discussed The Walking Dead Part 1. Yeah, we had uh, originally planned it to be on a games podcast and it, like the, the release schedule just wasn't right. But it came out and we were like, forget this, man. We're definitely going to talk about this. So we got <laughs> together and did the pizza beer round robin and watched it. And, you know, the eighth Henry giggled like a little girl anytime there was violence. <laughs> it was it was an excellent, excellent reintroduction to the game. Yes. But uh, so but anyway, we ended up doing it on a, on a zombie podcast, right? Yes, we ended up doing it on a zombie podcast. So this time around, luckily, it was nearish enough to a games podcast that that was the one that it fell on. So here we are. Like we said before... It's kind of interesting because it's the same game, but it's different episodes. I think that when we did it last time, the administrator gave it seven or eight and said that it could go up as high as a nine, depending on how it develops. And it's kind of an interesting game concept, or it's kind of an interesting kind of game to have to review for because there's Mm -hmm. so many different releases of it that it could potentially change and grow and really deserve a different score than it first started out as. Yeah. So how does this one stack up? Let's do impressions. Um, Who who was there this year? The... Five of us here, Brian. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. So why don't we why don't we start with uh, we start with start with the the eighth Henry. All right. How'd you like that first scene, Henry? Oh God, it was beautiful. I, <laughs> I, I chose to chop off the leg. Yeah, I don't think you can choose anything else. No, you, you can. You can, but it doesn't work. Is the thing. It, it, it's just not effective as chopping off someone's leg. No, you actually. Some can't. guy gets. They, they say that like I've tried sitting there chopping off the uh, metal like chain and they're like you're not going to chop that off you so, so for those of you who have no clue what the hell we're talking about in the beginning of the second episode of walking dead is not a spoiler because <laughs> it's inevitable it's inevitable right the the, the guy uh, the, uh, they basically run into this guy who got hit by a bear trap that had been set out in the woods and then sure enough zombies and uh the main character lee comes along with his axe trusty trusty axe the guy's like, help me, help me, help me. And he's like, I'll help you. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, this bear trap has been modified so that you can't actually open it, was yeah. one of the things. So they couldn't actually open it. So the only option was cut the chain or cut the leg, cut the leg. off. And cutting the chain doesn't work. No. Apparently not. Apparently not. No, it's, but it, it was, even if it did, not that so you I, I tried. Yeah, yeah, not that the 8th Henry tried. is like, mm, no. like, no, I, <laughs> it's going to go for the blood and guts right I saw away. the situation. I thought, yeah, sweep the leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that that first scene really set a note, a, a tone. Yeah, um, showed it wasn't playing around. Yeah, it kind of like reminded now. us. Like that scene in the first episode where you end up having to kill the babysitter is so gory. You know, and that and this one is is even more gory, and that like that that leg chopping isn't isn't the most gory thing we see. It took about like three good whacks. Took, yeah, three. I mean, it's it like three clean. or four. This yeah, game really yeah. does not play around. It's not like the traditional Telltale kind of like family friendly cartoony <laughs> business. This is like this is straight up zombies and gore and blood and you know for mature audiences only. Definitely for mature, and it's it's, it's refreshing and, and good. So anyway, what were your rest of your impressions there, Henry? Well, I was ecstatic about the initial violence and, <laughs> and the uh, the several recurring bits of violence. They kept very well to the canon, like how everything, all the zombies worked. I would say the plot was a little see-through at, at points, but... Uh, well, I mean, even the title of the episode. What was the title of the episode? It was like, Star for Help. Right. I mean, you could mm. kind of see the whole grand scheme coming 
from like a mile away. Yeah, really, really, pretty much. But at the same right time, it's really. I mean, obviously, I mean, spoilers. Skip ahead five seconds. Cannibals are involved in this mm-hmm. one, you know. And I think it's kind of awesome ongoingly that they they continue to just have nothing be sacred, and they're willing to kill people and have it be really violent and yeah. talk about people eating people and stuff. And I mean, at least on the AMC show, there hasn't really been any cannibalism yet. It's because they're afraid to show things that are not family oriented. They, they don't want to have to explain oh, yeah. to their children. AMC yeah. is so family oriented. <laughs> oh yeah, but, but it's still it's like they they wouldn't show certain parts of the plot that happened in the comic that this are is canon. true. This is true. Well, we will find out in the next season because we're coming up to some very. Specific scenes. Yeah. Uh, they, they lost me when they killed Dale early. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but what's interesting is that cannibalism for non-zombies is something that often shows up in zombie lore. Let's see, what was the movie that did that really well? Book of Eli yeah. had Book some Eli cannibals in there. That, that, that's, that's where I first That's not zombie, but it, well, I right, mean, it, post-apocalyptic. It, yeah, it shows up a lot in post-apocalyptic stuff. Well, there's a really good part oh, of uh, uh, The Road that has to do with cannibals. Oh, oh, and uh, Boy and His Dog. Point. Oh, God <laughs> damn it. She no. did have good taste. <laughs> oh, shit. No, so she, good. no she had good taste. No, no, it was, no it, she there was have... no accounting for taste. Yeah, there's no, no. She had, uh, damn it, it was really funny because she... No, it was really terrible. Had... <laughs> it was <laughs> really, really great. I it, wish I could That entire that movie was built around the idea of, wouldn't it be funny if we had this movie... All built up for this one punchline. That <laughs> yes, last true. moment played, I That's... just sat there and realized, well, shit, I could have been doing literally anything else. That's how they so did. She had like, in the good 60s. discernment, but not particularly good taste. There we go. <laughs> That's what it was. Something there like that. Go. So good. But it's interesting to see the whole cannibalism concept come up when the world has gone to hell. We have monsters, you know, former humans eating other people, and then we have normal people eating other people. Well, I think that that's something that The Walking Dead does so well, and I've said it over and over again, is that it's not, oh shit, zombies, holy crap, what do we do now? Survival, survival, survival. It's more, can we hold on to our humanity? You know, where do we personally draw the line? How do our ethics and our morals come into play with such a terrible survival situation? Mm -hmm. You know, where, where do we find our gray areas? Do we have gray areas? Are we willing to push things and and you know eat people to survive you know are we willing to you know kill people because they might be bitten but you don't really know i mean there's all this stuff that kirkman puts in the comics and and uh, you know overviewing with the with the show they go way out of their way to have this human drama of what happens to people when they're in these situations the whole thing with the walking dead television show on amc with this last season and shane's kind of like descent into you know just being an animal and just defending himself and the people that were that, that he perceived to be his, you know him and his that his responsibility to take care of there was no lengths that he would go to I mean that he wouldn't go to to defend them and protect himself and the people that he thought were he was responsible for and it's just like humanity wasn't involved morals was not involved anymore he'd kind of flipped the switch you know and i think that that ongoingly is a struggle in the walking dead universe and it's kind of like the question that kirkman likes to pose over and over again with all the characters is sort of like where where do you stand you know how, how willing are you to stick by your what's what you feel is right and wrong and what your perception of humanity is in the face of all this or are you willing to you know go down swinging and die doing what you think is the right thing or are you willing to shoot the man next to you and keep going you know how better to keep your humanity 
by cannibalism because you are what you eat. Oh shit! If you eat, oh. Oh, you were sitting there grinning for like the whole monologue. There, you were just waiting to throw that out because because I knew that if you didn't make that point, that I would just have that that smooth avenue into it. Yes, I'm sure you. This oh. is why the eighth Henry should never go into politics ever. <laughs> I am unapologetic. Are you hungry? Eight people. <laughs> I'm the 8th Henry and I approve this message. Let them rent us too damn high party. <laughs> Let them eat people. Let them eat people. <laughs> okay, any, any other thoughts, Henry, or we want to move on to the administrator? Uh, I think we can move on. Okay, administrator, what do you think of this one? You know, I was really mixed. Um, on one hand, I actually did enjoy the storyline. It was pretty clear where they were going straight off, but I think it was a very interesting addition yeah. to the whole universe uh but i found myself really distracted by the glitches in this version you know telltale has been notoriously bad about lip syncing but it seems like this was just like the shining glory of terrible lip sync for them it was heads kept flapping and really bad well you know uh, any of the telltale games that i played like there was a while back where the playstation plus offered up all of the Back to the Future. Oh God, those were awful. I downloaded them and I was like, I love Back to the Future. And like it starts and it it seems like it's a really good thing. And you get the the old voices and the story and you're in Doc's shop and it's, you get all this nostalgia and these warm, fuzzy feelings and you walk around and like every five seconds it pauses for two seconds. Yeah. And the lip syncing is miserable and the camera, it's just, it's on a technical level. It's like, do you guys have debuggers at all? I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. Yeah, there was one sequence towards the end, like a fighting sequence, where it like changes between two cutscenes, and it just hangs there. I'm like, did the game crash? Did I just break the game? And they're trying so hard to create this tension, and in between these two <clears throat> harrowing, scary moments, there's a pause that is unnaturally long. Yeah, and for a total you know, load. it pulls you out of the game, and you think, oh crap, did my system freeze? Oh wait, no, we're we're still in the game. I'm supposed to care about what's happening. I have to remember that I have to care about what's happening. A yeah. simple loading sign would would, would have fixed Well, but that. no, that this isn't a matter of a loading screen. It's literally something is breaking within the system. Yeah. There's one scene um, after Lee is in the barn. I'm not going to go beyond that, but right. Lee has opened the door. And he and another character are leaving the barn. And he does this little walk cycle animation. And right before the loading screen hits, he bounces back to where the animation starts. And that is just so messy. Yeah, and it's I'm also just, hilarious. But see, okay, from the outside, yeah, this is funny. But from somebody who knows what they're doing, to see that happen, it's just like, I know you're on a tight and schedule here. You've got games that have to come out on certain dates, fine. But that, it goes beyond. Like, there should have been somebody there saying, hey, look, we need to fix this. It's like a one-frame thing. Let's just quickly go back in. Well, it, you can't even hide behind the, the, like, well, it's an online game, there's lag and, you know, systems no. and stuff. It's like, no, this is a standstill, I mean, like a standalone play on your system offline thing. It's like there's no excuse for thing, for the system acting like you have online lag, like in an MMO. It's like you shouldn't be, you know, lag running into different places and stuff. It's ridiculous. What's getting bad is that, you know, we're getting used to the whole Telltale lip sync. <laughs> you know, if you say, you know, Telltale... Lip sync. People know exactly what you're talking about, and that is not good. I actually didn't notice any lag, but that was because the story was so engrossing. I I really was in the moment with the axe and the leg. I, <laughs> so that, that's you just early. didn't notice the rest of the game go by. That's all you cared about. Axe. You tuned out. You're just dreaming about the rest of. Like, what do you think, Lee? Uh, X. 
<laughs> if that was an option to ax everybody, I probably would. <laughs> just to see what would happen. I would probably ax Duck first. I'm sorry. Duck. I still can't yeah, stand yeah, I, I don't think there's Duck a single person who's like, that kid, we, we need to save that kid. I don't know. He I don't have like two lines in this episode. And yet he's still, he's still the most annoying character. like strangle worthy. So going back to the game, and honestly, I didn't play through the first chapter again. So, you know, we had our round robin. We played the game. And the next time I really looked at it was when episode two came out. And I found myself really repelled by the art style all over again. Yeah. And I thought that, you know, the second time in, okay, I know what I'm looking at. Yeah, it looks like they really had way too much fun with the dodge and burn tool. But looking at it again, knowing that this was the art style, I just found myself going, oh, God, why are they doing this? You know, there's no getting used to it. It's always unattractive. And that's really unfortunate. Definitely. I, you know, I, I think that... You know, again and again, The Walking Dead is all about the story. Mm -hmm. And everything else is auxiliary. You know, if you can, if they can, like, stumble through, regardless of what it is, you know, in the television show, in the comic, in the games, you know, regardless of, of everything else, if the story gets across, then it seems like the people that are involved in creating the product, the, the whatever it is, whatever medium it is, is like, cool, we did a good job. I mean, you know? yeah, to its benefit, there were a couple scenes in there, specifically when Lee discovers what happened to one of his friends, where it was very striking. And, you know, it's just, oh, God, this is really awful. And it brings back the whole point of the story. But I was just really distracted by the problems with the game this time. Right, you know, but at the same time, there are scenes like that scene where it's raining and you have the backlighting from the lightning in the window mm -hmm. and you're at the base of the stairs. It's mm -hmm. such a cool... And there's like, you know, you can see kind of see something at the top of the stairs, you don't know what it is. And, right. I mean, that scene was gorgeous. That was that a was really, really cool. Scene. It was yeah. beautiful. I mean, was, just beautiful. It was also hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody hasn't figured it out, the 8th Henry thinks uh, violence is hilarious. It is. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're just twisted. So, anyway, so, uh, Joe, what did you think of this one, Ron? Um, I was a little underwhelmed. Yeah? You know, because, you know, the first time the art really stood out and the gameplay was oh, a little touch and go, but uh, it was all very... It was really new for me. I hadn't played much Telltale games. But, uh, yeah, all the cell shading and everything made it a really cool experience. This time around, yeah, it's the same art style. It's the same kind of experience. The story was, like everyone's been saying, you, you saw it coming a mile away. So right, as, it, was still, as, it was still powerful, but you could kind yeah, of see it coming. As soon as someone says, oh, yeah, we've got food, <laughs> you're like, bullshit. No, as soon as... Unless, unless that's, you know... Soylent food. <laughs> well, they did have biscuits, and and that was the 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 room for like, oh, okay, maybe they're just living on this bread and grain, and mm -hmm. and maybe well, you look, there is all this corn everywhere. Well, so, they have right. one cow, and then they're serving meat for dinner. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I mean, Lee said yeah. it himself. You know, look, we're on a dairy, not a ranch, and I think <laughs> that kind of highlights it all. I think at you know the first time you see the farm and you see the fat woman, like, okay, there's there's something. Going wrong here. Right, exactly. So, but but uh, just on the whole, it was kind of underwhelming for you, Joe? Yeah, it was... It wasn't quite of a meh. It was more of a... Meh. <laughs> <laughs> what, about, what about you, Brian? Well, like they've all said, the story is transparent, but one of the things that I found interesting is it really delves more into the morality and how far you're willing to go as characters. Um, I... 
in that sort of way, the story, the plot was almost secondary to this whole thing of how far are you willing to like descend into your animalistic nature. Um, I really dug the fact that there was a previously on the walking dead and it was based upon your game. Like they made a little trailer and then at the end of the game, it's like next time. And that's based upon what choices you made, which I thought there were some characters that would not be there or would be there depending on your choices. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So those I thought were really cool. And also like, Based upon how you support or not support certain characters, the trailers are actually different. Like, there is definitely a significant difference when I was playing it on my machine and seeing what uh, the people were saying in the trailer compared to what we did when we had the round robin. Right, or, or I mean, I actually had the pleasure of, of seeing parts of it twice. Uh, the beginning, kind of middle, and then the end. Uh, but not like the connection between the middle part and the end. Because uh, I had to run some errands. But anyway, uh, I got together with the 8th Henry and the administrator. And the administrator and 8th Henry kind of played back and forth. And, and uh, the administrator was able to finish it. And we came back in for that point. And different choices were made than what we did at the round robin. And it was sufficiently different. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just, oh, this one character is interchangeable. You know, there's a point in the first episode where you have to choose between two characters. And, you know, they could have very easily kind of fit that character into the same place, doing the same sort of thing, but just a different voice actor and model. But the way they interacted with things and the way they did things was sufficiently different that it felt like a, like a different human being that you actually saved. And, you know, instead of just like, oh, these are interchangeable characters and this is just kind of like a, a gimmicky option to choose this person lives or dies. And, you know, just so we can kind of come through on our promise that, you know, you make choices and it affects the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, We're looking at you, Bioware. <laughs> Um, well, I, I myself, I think that uh, even uh, this is this is kind of pathetic, but I did not see the the cannibalism thing coming because I didn't think they were going to do it. If I had if I had that, it was if it was like on the table in my mind of options, I probably would have seen it coming a mile away. But I thought to myself, yeah, this is like a telltale cartoony game, and yeah, it's violent, but it's eh, you know, and The Walking Dead, as far as I've seen, doesn't really have any cannibalism in it, and so it's kind of like. Nah, you know, so like even if it kind of flittered through my mind for one moment, I, I just dismissed it. So I totally did not see it coming. And then, then when it got to the point where it's like, oh snap, they're eating people. It's like, oh, I mean, when it be, when it when it starts to hint at it, it becomes very clear in a hurry, mm. you know. But but I didn't I didn't see that right away. You know, I can remember wow, when we really? first played it uh, over at their house on the weekend. They the in the right in the very beginning, one of the one of the little girls or the little girl uh, Claire. Clementine. Clementine comes out and goes, I'm really hungry, Lee. And 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 Henry then is like, cannibals. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, all right, there that is. Yeah, I pretty much knew that it was cannibals once the two brothers walk up to your camp. It, it's yeah. always on the table. Yeah, once they mention that, oh, yeah, we've had lots of other people here. Where are they? Where are they? Yeah. Oh, um, they left. It's kind of like, yep. you know how there's a, like, I smell cookies face? There's like, I eat people face? Those two definitely had it going on. Yes. So, yeah, I, you know, I like it, though. I, I think that, you know, you know, you guys have said a lot of good things about it. Technical problems, definitely. Yeah, you it's know, much buggier than the first one. Very, definitely much mm-hmm. buggier than the first one. And it's not just my PlayStation. It's not just the, you know, it's not just no. like no. that. I mean, we played it on two completely separate PlayStations. We've had... 
kind of different experiences. Yeah, different experiences on each of them with different games. I've had trouble on mine and no trouble on the administrators with different games, and and they they both had problems. Yeah, no, no, this is a classic Telltale problem. But you know, for for all the the, the problems that I'm pointing out. There's still something just intrinsically likable about a Telltale game. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I mean, even though there are a lot of technical issues, I still enjoyed myself, you know? Yeah, I definitely still enjoyed myself. And I, th- oh, I think exactly. that I really like I like the the drama. I like the the question being thrust in your face over and over again of, what's the right thing? Are you willing to do the right thing? How far are you willing to go to maintain, you know... That I'm doing the right thing. Yeah, there was a lot less gray area in this one. Absolutely. Well, as the the time kind of ticks down on your uh, survival clock, kind of just make more pronounced decisions, whereas before everyone's still fresh to the, you know, how it used to be. Mm -hmm. And now you're immersed in this survival situation. You're no longer allowed the luxury of, let's say, a democratic decision or... Uh, not stealing from something just to survive. You know, it's there are certain influential uh, decisions that you have to make that affect everybody else. Well, yeah, just to bounce back over to the comic, I think, you know, watching how Rick evolves after oh, the prison, I mean, it's pretty much just what you've said. Well, and they've already hinted that that in the show with the way that Rick kind of rants and raves and starts to sort of descend into things. And when he's talking to Lori at the end and says, I wanted to kill him, you know, he was... He was messing with my shit, man. <laughs> you know, oh, man. and it's like it's Rick. When you first meet him and he rolls out of the hospital bed, would never have said anything like. Oh that. no, absolutely not. He was like the most upstanding guy you could ever find. Absolutely. So it's it's interesting because even the main character who you're supposed to identify with and are supposed to you know kind of use as your moral compass in this messed up world is starting to become tainted by that world. So anyway, and I gotta say, like in the game, at the very end, I won't say what it is, but the what's the information on the video camera? I did not see that coming. I was like, "Oh, that geez. was weird." Yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder where they're going with that. Like that. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious mm-hmm. if that's just going to be a throwaway thing. In which case, why did they do that? I really if don't not, think it would be. I, it's. It's got to have some sort of integral part for, for at some point. Sake, to show that something else is happening independent of. Well, the I, I, I'm pretty no, confident the next episode is going to have a lot more to do with the bandits that were yeah. kind of uh-huh. auxiliary around. You know, a threat in the woods, in the darkness, but not really having to deal with aside from that one sequence. Mm-hmm. I really feel like we're going to deal with more with them. We're probably going to end up going to the supermarket they came from. Yeah, yeah. You know, so anyway. So let's let's quickly do reviews out of uh, one to ten Miyamoto's. Let's, uh, let's go back around. Henry? I'm going to give it eight Miyamoto's from Henry. How about the administrator? Uh, you gave it an eight last time. Yeah, uh, five and a half. I'm going to give it a six. You know, it was still fun to play, but I was really distracted by a lot of the technical issues. Mm-hmm. Joe? I'll give it a six and a half. Brian? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Six and a half. The technical issues just pulled me out too much. Well, I think I'll give it a solid seven. I think that I gave it a little bit of a higher one last time. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the technical issues for me, it's, again, it's it's really kind of sad, but I've gotten to a place with Telltale Games where it's like, yeah, whatever. It's just what it's going to be. You know, and so for me, I I purposefully look past that and, you know, see, am I still invested in the characters? Are they telling a good story? You know, are things artfully done? Is it staged well? You know, and I got to tell you, I was going to give it five or six all the way up until that scene I was talking about earlier where it's raining and there's lightning Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're trying to deal with this person who's got a gun to somebody's head and and it's just, it's such a complex, gorgeous scene that's so powerful that it just changed 
my opinion, right away. And it was right at the end, and it was just a very powerful ending. But yeah, definitely not... Uh, probably not as good as the first one, and way shorter than the first one. This was like a two-hour game. Oh, yeah. No problem. I mean, we got in and out and on our way way faster than we were expecting. We all like went home at 10. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about Slender. This is Geek Life. podcast now we're going to talk about a really awesome game slender slender's been all the rage actually if you've been paying attention to game news in the past what couple weeks now yeah it's been a couple, couple weeks. weeks yes yeah, this, uh, this game called slender kind of came out of nowhere it's made on the unity engine which is yeah. getting to be really popular and it's actually a very exciting form to create games and Definitely very flexible and cross-platform, and it's free, right, SDK? Uh, so to start out with, Unity has a free version, and then they have a pay version. Unity Free allows you to publish to web, Mac, and PC. The pay version allows you to publish to iOS and Android, and if you have a developer's kit, also Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii. Very, very cool. You know, Again, just exciting to see things moving into that more available sector. People with cool ideas, you know, have the tools now to really get stuff out there to the masses. Things like Steam, things like us, that sort of stuff. I mean, you know, Unity is really going to be, I think, moving forward, an exciting tool. Um, and so somebody went ahead and it seemed really almost like a school project or just for fun or just to learn it sort of thing. Like, what's the story with this? Yeah, the way that this set up is that the creator, uh, Mark J. Hadley, was actually trying to learn Unity. And as a matter of fact... This whole game looks very much like a starting Unity project. Right. It was really funny. Uh, it was actually uh, Dustin who sent me a link on Facebook, and it was... And he knows the... you love Slender Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He texted yeah. me, he's like, there's this game. I sent a link to the administrator. She's going to love it. Oh, yeah. No, it was incredible. It was actually the IGN playthrough of the game. And they load it up, and the first thing I see is this grass moving back and forth in the wind, and I just stare at it. It's like, they did it with Unity. And sure enough, uh, you know, I go to the YouTube page and yeah, the guy says, you know, oh, you know, I was trying to learn Unity. And so this is what I made. And yeah, it, it, that's precisely what a beginning Unity game looks like. 
A little bit of background, I actually teach Unity during the summer at the Digital Media Academy. So it was actually really well-timed. Uh, it's been a really great way to get kids interested in the engine. Yeah, you said that there's been kids, you know, like in, on breaks, huddled around computers oh, and screaming. ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. You know, the whole Slenderman mythos has really blown up. And it, in my experience, it seemed to be, in earlier years, just something that maybe older people knew about. It's like, you know, our generation. It's like, oh, yeah, the Slenderman thing. Didn't really see like a lot the of old kids. internet trolls. Yeah, right. <laughs> it didn't really see like the younger kids. And then this year, all the teens were watching more Marble Hornets. They were all playing Slender. It was just so much fun. And to be able to walk in and say, hey, guys, so that engine, we're learning how to use it next door. And they're like, oh, really? Oh, I got to go check this out. Sure enough, you know, it generated a whole ton of interest. But yeah, no, um, I, I think it says a lot about the usability of the Unity engine. It's really exciting. And like you said, the engine is starting to blow up in a big way. Um, I just keep seeing games that, you know, I download a game on the iOS, I download a game on the PSN, and over and over again, you see a little cube with Unity, you know, over it. It's just like a Unity is being used everywhere for all kinds of great games. Oh, yeah. It's always, uh, it's already been really super big as far as, you know, the iPhone apps go. Kind of found out from an inside source recently that uh, Microsoft has picked it up now. So they're using it for actual stuff. Um, it's right now more of a prototyping thing, mm. but you're going to start seeing like major consoles using this engine. It doesn't look like, like it. Not, on like not network downloads, but like actual disc games. Le yeah. Wow. So it doesn't look like it, but Unity does have uh, very similar capabilities to UDK. I'm not talking about 4. I'm talking about current UDK, uh, Unreal Engine. Um, so they are actually quite comparable. It's just that Unity looks... Fluffier, I guess is the best way to put it. You, you jump into the game, the engine, and you're looking around. Oh, everything's so nice and clean and shiny. Whereas if you jump into the UDK, it's like, oh, it's grungy. Everything's glowing. Um, <laughs> Nero's over here grinning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, while UDK definitely has like a really old school feel, a really mm -hmm. solid background. I mean, the Batman series was made with UDK, so it, it's got a lot of history. It's got a lot of credit, but Unity, just why, you know, the next couple of years, there's going to be a lot of games built on it, and you're really going to be able to see the full power of the engine. It's very exciting. Definitely. Well, let's talk a little bit about Slenderman and who that is, because, you know, Slender the game is maybe eight minutes long, you know, if you're, if you're, <laughs> if you're, if you're, if you're good. awesome at it, mm -hmm. you know, and we want to get into a little bit about the psychology of why it's so scary, because it is so very simple. Like you said, it can, you know, it can yeah. very easily be... You know, well, you said it's like a, somebody learning the the system. It's not a polished AAA scary ass game. It is. No. It's very simple. The models are very simple. All that. Yeah. No. This is a one level game, so you don't have any level transitions. You have very simple scripting going on. There's nothing impressive. The models are not good. But no, I mean, the <laughs> slender model is not good, but it's still scary. Yeah. Let's get into yeah. the Slenderman mythos before yeah, we move before into we why it. yeah, it's scary in, despite itself. Yep. So Slenderman came to life, God, I think around 2006. The Something Awful Forums? On the Something Awful Forums. There was a forum post about making up your own monsters. And this one guy just came up with Slenderman, came up with a couple photoshopped image of this really tall, skinny guy in a suit. You couldn't ever really see his face in the background of like uh, playgrounds. And it just took off from there. It's just something about that character just grabbed everybody's imagination. It it's just really hit, frightening. Yeah, it hit like this terror center in the brain. And from then on out, it just, you know, took off. We got the Marble Hornets series. We got a couple other series on YouTube. People just... Marble Hornets yeah. is also on YouTube. You can go and find the Marble Hornets 
uh, YouTube pay or YouTube channel. I don't yeah. know if it's actually called Marble Hornets. Yeah, it is called Marble Hornets. Yeah. Hornets. I feel like we might have talked about it on an earlier I podcast too. Potentially, sure potentially, but it's well yeah. worth looking into. I think that there's been several that have come out since we stopped watching or once we last had like the Marble Hornets marathon. Absolutely. But it's uh, totally worth watching. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's one of those like found footage. Yeah. Oh, that's marble like the glass bead. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Aside from that, you know, we didn't have any real video games before that, but we had a lot of the found footage stuff. We had a huge amount of fan art. Uh, there were some... Uh, Lots of creepy pictures and... Stories, too. The yeah, fan nice. fiction thing was pretty popular, though I personally haven't gotten into that. But, yeah, then comes along this guy who wants to learn Unity and has this really interesting concept for a game, and he's able to pick up on the threads of horror that seems to just stream through all of us and make such a super effective game with this really deeply disturbing character. And he's so simple. I mean, when he's you... just basically like a guy in a suit stretched. Yeah. That's he's, it. you know, I, skin. I, we've got a lot of things going on with Slenderman and, you know, from an artist standpoint, I think it's easier to understand, but Slenderman is probably seven to eight feet tall. Very, very skinny. We're talking stick figure skinny. His arms are way longer than they should be. His legs are way longer than they should be. You know, he's basically, yeah, like a stretched out dude. There's a lot of variance about how he came to be that's not, well, nothing's really canon beyond, you know, something awful. Hey, Slenderman, there we go. Herp, herp, herp. Right, well, you know, and something about stealing children, that's, that was a, that was yeah, a start Yeah, but it was it. all very, very loose. Yeah. Stealing children in what way? And then, you know, Marble Hornet's kind of built on the whole thing of if you go looking for him, then he'll come after you. Uh, and that was very different than the original forum post, but it, it fits. You know, the, I think the scariest part about all of this is that every time something is added to the Slenderman mythos, it just seems to fall into place. Like, oh yeah, no, this was always the way it was. We're just, you know, remembering. Yeah, it's almost like you're revealing something that was already there, which makes it even worse. Even I think. worse. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, there's the the something about him. I mean, the way that he looks isn't necessarily so horrible, aside from the fact that it's just wrong looking. And he has no face. And I he think... has no face at all. And, yeah. and but, but but something about him being really taller than you and looming. Mm -hmm. But I would say that that ongoingly, what's the scariest thing about Slenderman in any of the photoshopped images or in Marble Hornets or any of the fan films or anything like that? is that he's almost never in your face. No. He's almost never stalking you. It's almost always just auxiliary. It's like he's just there. You know, and it's and it's almost you know, it's it's menacing in this in this like truly horrible way because you can't ever feel like he's going to actually directly deal with you. He's just lurking in, think, in and around uh, and slice like what is happening? What's going on? And then all of a sudden somebody disappears. And, and it's then like, you see the photo later on. It's like, "Oh, we could have we could have done something." It's like the whole hint was there from the very start. He was there the whole time. Right, the Why early Marble Hornets stuff, because the idea is Marble Hornets is the name of a movie that this film student is trying to make. And while trying to film Marble Hornets, they keep seeing this dude in the background just wandering around, just like, and then he's gone. You know? And then pretty quickly, you know, the guy that's the director starts to feel like... You know, this Slender Man guy is coming after him, and then he starts to kind of look into him, and then pretty soon he's paranoid, and he's taping himself, and you're seeing Slender Man, like he's taping himself at his, at his computer screen, and then you see Slender Man walk by his window. It's just like, ah! It's so <laughs> lurky and creeper. Yeah, I think the worst part about it, too, is that at every point that you see Slender Man, <clears throat> if he chose to do something, he could, but... He's always at that distance where if you decided to go like full on berserker, you could never reach him. He'd be gone by the time you got to that point. So he's always in control. Absolutely. Always in control, always watching. Always. Yeah. 
Very, very creepy. Always in the shadows. Always in the shadows. And that is what uh, one of the many reasons why this game Slender is so freaking scary. Absolutely. You know, it's that he, he doesn't like scream and run at you and, you know, try and spit spit acid at you or some, you know, monstrous sort of thing. You're lurking around the woods trying to find these papers stuck on these different landmarks in the forest. You will see him kind of at the corner of your eye and then be like, oh shit, look away and then look back, gone. Gone, mm-hmm. you know, and he slowly but surely gets more and more aggressive in his in his kind of like, you know, lurking around you, and he gets closer and closer. And if you stare at him for too long, then he blips in front of you and takes you, right? Yeah. You know, and, and the whole thing is he's just lurking. There's this just this relentless sense of dread that this game you know provides, and you know, I mean, you can pretty much never see him if you just kind of walk forward and just keep going in a straight don't line, and don't yeah. look around a lot, and make nice slow turns and stuff. There's got to be some kind of programming that keeps yeah. him within a certain, you know, range of periphery of the camera. Mm-hmm. And because as soon as you start to turn dramatically, especially later in the game, he's in there, in the distance. You know, and of course the game goes Tum! every time that you see him. And so <laughs> but so, so so why don't we why don't we talk a little bit about why it's so scary? Cuz again, this is a very simple game. Absolutely. But it's freaking terrifying. You've already yeah. touched on why it's so freaky and you know, Slenderman, the whole mythos, especially when Marble Hornets came into it, he's been very closely associated with disturbing sounds. Whenever he was present in the Slender, uh, the uh, Marble Hornets movie, there would be audio tear or video tears and audio kind of just sound, white noise come in. And the guy who went through and made this game, you know, he got his audio cues down pat. That's why this game is so successful, because the first time you see Slenderman, there's an audio cue associated with, you know, the camera radius coming across him. You get this done, and then everybody, you know, we played through. We all jumped. We, yeah, we, jumped. All, we all screamed. Except when for me. Well, Joe you was, were standing behind me and screamed. No! <laughs> that time it was you. I freely admit the first time I played, I did scream and caused the Ace Henry to scream. But you totally <laughs> I screamed. I would love to see that or hear that. Oh, the dog. Never going to happen, is it? <laughs> no, never going to happen. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I think Joe had a really great experience. Well, I don't know if he'd necessarily call it great experience, but... No, it, I couldn't it's... handle that game. <laughs> no, I, I got four of the eight pages, and I I just decided, you know what? This guy's going to get me. I'm going to let him. <laughs> I was just well. There was, was one. Done th- my I favorite was the one the point where he like popped up and almost got you, and the screen started to fade. And you hear that dun sound, and then we're all watching Joe, and we have like we're in my room. It's dark, and all the lights are off. We're all standing behind him, just watching him play, which was probably awful as it was. Yeah. And and then boom, out comes Slenderman, and then the screen goes. And like shakes all over the place. <laughs> and we're like, what happened? What happened? And Joe's like, oh, that was me. <laughs> oh man, but this is just, just that increasing dread. It's just like, oh yeah, it's that, like in a big. No it's not like in a being in a freaking scary movie, and and the camera is panning down this hallway slowly, and you know something's jumping out, and you're trying to time your breathing so that it doesn't get you as you're breathing in, and you're like, okay, if I'm just gonna hold my breath until this is over. No, that's not gonna happen. I better breathe in. Go and then it gets you every time. And it's just that constant, like, you're afraid to breathe, you're afraid to anything. And I mean, mm. they have that in 
you know, the center of the world. You got that kind of bathroom thing going on when you're oh walking through. <laughs> that is the worst because you've got so many blind turns. And you know, like the first time I saw him, he was in the hallway. So, you know, really bad. But once again, just that's... Any, the funny thing is, is that his he doesn't even have an animation. No, no he doesn't. He's just there. He is uh, staring yeah. at you. You know, and it was it funny. just appears. I actually saw that model on DeviantArt several months ago. And I just kind of passed it back. It's like, oh, kind of crappy 3D model, whatever. But that's... You know, normally you're supposed to model it in a T-pose. I don't know if they modeled it and then moved it down to the way that it appears in the game, but that's the way it was. Yeah, it almost looks like a gingerbread man. Yeah, it it was not good. They didn't rig it properly or anything. If anything, they might have put the arms down, but there's no proper rigging there at all. So it's just a a static mesh, essentially. But I think the bathroom scene was also really powerful because you get... The really nice audio again. You get the transition from walking on dirt to... I think that's really the only part where you're walking on cement. So you're going into the bathroom and you've yeah, got those the, really the hard footsteps. footsteps are very prominent in the game. And, yeah. and they definitely change depending on the surface you're on. You know, the audio is a huge part of it. And that's and another I, thing that Unity has that's really powerful. Is the audio? Yeah, they have an audio reverb zone. So essentially you've got this little audio guy... And you could place him somewhere in the level, and then you can interactively drag out these little circles that declare how far out you can hear sound. So um, I'm not sure if like the bird song was an audio reverb zone, but essentially, let's say that it was. You'd say, oh, I want a bird to be living in this tree, and I want you to hear it from the bathrooms. So you interactively pull out this audio sphere, this range of hearing to the bathrooms, and then you can declare where the fade-off happens. And mm-hmm. I think... You know, when he was making the game, he had such a good understanding of how powerful sound was. It's just a thing of real beauty. And well, you know, every time and- that you get, because the whole, the whole purpose of the game again is traveling around this creepy forest, and there's different landmarks and unique places in and amongst the kind of relatively same-looking forest, and you are getting these pieces of paper with drawings and messages pages. on them, eight pages mm. with drawings and messages on them that are also very creepy, and. Every I think every other page you get, the music increases. At first, it's just nothingness, and you're walking around kind of crickets. And then you get out, and you get this dumb. first page. It almost dumb. sounds like it's like a dumb. drum or like a heavy heartbeat kind it's of on thing. On my laptop, it yeah. sounds like a heartbeat. It, it sounds kind of like a really heavy heartbeat. Right. And then once you get the third one, it you get an added layer of sound to and it. The and, fifth one, and, you get another one, and ongoingly yeah. it gets more. And to the point where at the end. It's just this cacophony of horrible noises and sounds, and it's, it sounds like those terrible tapes you get to play like at your scary haunted house, except actually frightening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just so, it's like almost deafening all the horrible, creepy noises that are going on. For me, towards the racing. end, it was just too much noise. But yeah. those first mm-hmm. couple is like really, really, really. Yeah, it's really, really freaky. But also, you know, not a lot of people are going to hear, you know, by the eighth page, and not a lot of people have won this game. You know, you, you tend to get so freaked out by around the fifth page that, you know, yeah. he ends up getting you. <laughs> yeah, you have to really be on a mission. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and you know, your flash, your flashlight runs out oh, and God, you yeah. run out of stamina so you can't keep going. That's something I really wanted to touch on in particular about why this game is scary and what makes games scary. Because there's lots of quotes, air quotes, you know, or as uh, Aaron over at Mysterious Universe inverted, <laughs> in, in, inverted quotes, right? <laughs> Uh, but there's a lot of there's a lot of you know horror games out there, but they're not really scary. Maybe they're creepy, maybe, but they're mm-hmm. not actually scary. There's monsters. You got the guns, Dead Space games are kind of a good example of that. Uh, dude, the just... Dead Space games are actually pretty scary. But for see, me, it's once just... again, audio. 
Yeah, yeah. Dead Space has. But what but I'm it's thinking all of, about killing a bunch of monsters. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But there, there is that surprising and that lurking and that horrible, you know, whatever. But, but the the game that I'm th- games that I'm thinking of are things like you know Resident Evil or things like that. Where, Resident Evil Four you know, through the yeah. newer Resident the newer Evil. Resident yeah. Evils. Yeah. I mean, but but the sort of games where you know you're you know the the big buff bad guy blasting your way through monsters. It's like that's not scary. It, maybe it's a, a horror sort of situation to be in mm-hmm. with the kind of monsters that are there, but it's not actually frightening. And I, I really feel like what a big part of what makes a game actually frightening is reducing player power. Absolutely. If you take away the sense of strength and confidence and adequacy within the game world, all of a sudden you're at the mercy of the game. Oh, yeah. Slender did that. Slender did that. It's probably way. the most... You know, sharpened, simple, clear vision of that. Mm. Another set of games that does a real good job of that are is everything from Penumbra. You can mm. get the Penumbra games on Steam pretty inexpensively, mm. and they're very regularly going on sale. The most recent one from Penumbra, the early games are called Penumbra, but yeah. the most recent one from the company Penumbra uh, is Amnesia: The Dark Descent, which had you know a pretty good critical acclaim when it came out, and it was known as sort of one of the, if not the scariest game ever. Mm. I and, think one of the things on that. Was on our one shining moment. Yeah, I, yeah. I talked about that. Right, absolutely. You talked about the, the monster in the water. And that's the thing, is that that game, you can move around, you can jump, you can open things, but you can't actually fight. You can't defend yourself. All you can do is run away and hide. Yeah. And, and your that's character very gets much scared. what it's like. And what? And your character gets scared. And your character gets scared. Chris right. doesn't get scared from Resident Evil. You know, if he loses weapons or if he runs out of ammo, he's going to beat the hell out of a monster. You know, in uh, Amnesia... If your character gets scared, he has to run away because there's literally nothing he can do. Right, exactly. And I mean, so that that I think is a huge part of what makes games in general scary is is taking away that sense of of confidence and power and and ability to deal with the situation in any kind of way. You've got to, you know, you've got to remove that so that you're at the mercy of the game and you have to find other ways to deal with stuff. And then it's actually frightening. Conversely, I wasn't as scared of Slenderman as I am as a like a creeper in Minecraft. When it's coming directly towards things I've just built, I could kill the creeper, but you know it, it upsets me to see the creeper more than it did to see the slender man. Well, you know, I th- I think that that comes into another thing is that, that there's definitely an audience of people who appreciate scary mm-hmm. games and horror games and stuff, and there or horror movies, and then there's an audience of people who think they're just stupid. Mm-hmm. And I think that the defining line there. Eighth Henry's looking around sheepishly like he thinks that they're stupid, which he probably does. But but I think the defining characteristic that the, the what you know what what makes you stand on this side or that side, like it or not, is that you the game people that like scary games are the ones that are willing to let themselves get into it. Mm-hmm. The ones that are willing to let like the world around them, your computer screen, your wall, your posters, your mouse, your keyboard fade away and all that exists for you is what's on that screen. You know, you don't feel your controller, you forget you're on your couch, you know, whatever situation you're in, and you get absorbed into the game. And you have to choose to do that. You have to allow yourself to do that. If you don't allow yourself to do that, if you don't let the game do what it's trying to do, then it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And I think that there are people that maybe don't want it because it freaks them out and they don't want to get freaked out, or people that don't want it just because they're just not interested in being scared, it's not fun for them. You know, but or they're just people who are fearless co-hosts, right? <laughs> Absolutely, but I do think that's really important. You have to let yourself. You have to let let the game do what it's going to do. Let mm-hmm. the game do what it wants to do. You know, similarly, you're not going to enjoy a shoot 'em up game if you just don't want to 
play a shoot 'em up game. You know what I mean? If yeah, you don't right. let yourself have fun with it, it's not going to be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like letting yourself be afraid. You have to let yourself be afraid. Yeah. You know, so. And the vulnerability is a really good thing to like. I think what is it? Haunting ground, I believe, which was a PlayStation Two game. It's all about that sort of thing where you start actually getting scared and like the screen gets blurry, right? And your character gets anxiety and like you take anti-anxiety pills or hide long enough for you to calm down and that sort of a thing. So that's a really, really big mechanic in what really should be a horror game. And good horror games. And a good horror game. Right. I mean, horror games are infamous for having bad controls. And (laughs) the administrator and I jokingly say, yeah, but it wouldn't be scary if you had good controls. (laughs) Because then when something comes around the corner and you're fumbling with controls and it's coming at you and you're like, no, move, damn you. Oh, God. (laughs) You know? Yeah. These controls are actually pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. I, they, there was no instruction or whatever, and I felt that I was moving around with no problem. Right. Right. Those Quickly. are standard yes. Unity controls. Although I love what you had said, like what you had named, like your nickname oh, yeah, for the game. Nickname I, for well, I think this is one of the things that makes a game really scary is... But just like zombie movie, it takes place in something you can see every day. Everyone's been in a forest before, and, mm-hmm. and this normal reality that, that everyone can identify with is, is what makes it scary. And because of that, I, I I didn't really know the goals of the game. I found one of the eight pages, so I'm probably low on the totem pole here. Um, so I, <laughs> not, I not my farm. <laughs> <laughs> so I affectionately name it uh, was the National Forest Simulator subtitle Why I Don't Grow Pot in the Woods. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Um, and, and I thought the goal was to find Slenderman. So at the end, oh, when it popped up. I got excited. Like, yeah, I won! But uh, and, like I said, no and then the game like rage quits on you. I yeah. think that's another really powerful aspect of the game, especially if you didn't know about it going in, and the fact that it auto quits as soon as you know Slenderman gets you. There's no play again screen. I noticed with you there was, but in earlier versions, the game just closes and that's the end. It's because when you win, you fucking lose. <laughs> but that actually True. kind of I don't know it feels like it's pulling from Japanese horror movies where it's like well you died the end sorry yeah, no redemption of, it kind of breaks that fourth wall at you yeah. at the last second and then you're getting pop you know it's another added effect right you know I, I do th- actually bringing up the Japanese horror is a really good point because th- this this particular style of removing player strength uh, or, or capability is so a Japanese horror thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you get the American horror movies, and there's almost always some way to fight back. You know, you've got uh, you know classic American horror, Wes Craven type stuff. You know, and there's the bad guy, and you're throwing pianos at them, and they mm. still keep coming, but you can fight them. You know, good American brute force. <laughs> exactly, but but you know the Japanese horror movies is like you t- you step foot in this house, death sentence. You're dead. You can't win. Sorry, no matter what you do, you show somebody else the tape, it still comes for you. It doesn't matter. And that's actually really interesting. I hadn't considered that before. But if you think about you know the ring and what is it, Junyon or the Grudge, the Grudge. Um, there's a lot of the stillness that you would find in Slenderman. Uh, American uh, movies and games, you know, horror movies, quote-unquote, where everything is jumping out at you, and if you're going down the mm-hmm. hallway, it's, like, raging at you, whereas with Slenderman, he's just there. He's not doing anything. He's a static mesh, and you just happen to see him. That happens a lot in, you know, Japanese horror films I, as well. I, I think of a particular scene in the Japanese ring, Ringu, mm-hmm. where early on, after he'd seen the video, he's sitting in his house, or no, he watches the video, and he turns the video off, and it shows him, like, looking at the tape, and it reflected in the screen, in the black screen, is is the girl standing behind him. Mm-hmm. And then, and he doesn't even see her. 
And then he gets up and walks away and it pans out and she's gone. And she's mm-hmm. like, son of a bitch, it's so scary. Yeah. And she's just standing there watching him lurking, just that creepy presence. I think that's what's really powerful too, because yeah, if there's like some monster that's coming after you, you can fight it. But if it's just standing there, it doesn't need to come after you. It can grab you whenever it feels like it, you know? And that's what makes it so much worse. Yeah, this guy really had a good feel for the psychological thriller. I mean, (laughs) you start slow and you you build up to this huge climax, but you got to have all these subtle things that slowly build to it. um, It just ramps you up, man. I mean, like, you get... For me, it's the sense of urgency that makes it really panicky and scary. Like, the American horror movies... They they know it's oh it's urgent throw shit at it ah big explosions and you have to get to the bang before you can fight them and that's what's great about the this, this thing is you, the bangs at the end you don't uh-huh. have to, there's nothing to challenge yeah but the real lurky slow sense of urgency where you can't run fast away from the damn right thing. your light your flashlight is running out yeah. you're out of energy you know like that's that was one of the horrible horrible things is. What you're you're running from this thing. This is what happened. You know, this is what happened to me. I'm running from this thing. Running from this thing. Running from this thing. At the end, I'm using up all of my stamina. My flashlight's about to go out. I've got five of the seven, or eight, eight, eight. five of the eight pages. And you know, I look to the left, look to the right. He keeps following. me. He's right on my tail. And then all of a sudden, my guy stops running and starts going. <laughs> and then I hear a second set of footsteps, and I'm like, wait, am I actually hearing a second set of footsteps, or am I here? Am I making that up? I look around. I don't see him. I stop. To listen, and then he gets me. Oh, it's so <laughs> subtle too. That second step, footsteps. There were several times they got me. I'm like, start looking around. It's okay, I'm not just hearing things. That yeah, exactly. Okay. And they did that so well because I was just, I just must be the audio and the footsteps. Yeah, the audio, audio, so good. Yep. So I mean, do we want to give this a rating? Because or is it really a finished game? Like I, I, I mean, I don't really the exciting feel thing. about giving it a rating because it's almost like a tech game. Yeah, it feels like a tech game. It was, but I mean, come on, Kotaku, IGN. This guy is going to develop this game. There's no way. There's going to be a team around this. It, well, it, shit, you, you zapped him in email. Oh, God, was it was like, ridiculous. Let me work with you, No, please. as soon as I saw the YouTube video, I just immediately sent him a video. I was like, you're using Unity. I know Unity. I know Maya. You said you didn't have a modeler. I will be your modeler. And he didn't get back, but you know what? I bet everybody is yeah, doing that right now. you're definitely the only person that's got a hold of it. It's crazy, but no, there's no way this is going to be the end of it. I mean, I'm sure he's already gotten, like, monetary offers. Do we feel like we really want? I mean, like in the end, do we feel like we really want to give this a rating? Not yet. No, I mean, let's wait. Brian for the seems official to want release. to give it a rating. I kind of do, but because it really is something where they took all the necessary elements of a good horror movie or horror game, horror in general, frankly, and funneled it into just a really, really tight, concise thing. So it's, it's a like way, a tincture of all the horrible. It scary really things. is. It's and, okay, it's an eight-minute game and. Yes, it is a tech demo, but it still is a game. But at the same time, it's kind of, is it a finished product? No, it's a proof of concept. Yeah, and I think the craftsmanship in the game is another great thing. It's very cinematic, and it was only developed by one guy, right? One guy. And that's really impressive. Yeah, it's, oh man. Here's something to think about. Imagine that game, but with photoreal models. No thanks. Or even more audio, <laughs> you know, stretching that out a bit. Yeah, you know, just The maybe... resources that this guy's going to be able yeah. to tap into with the popularity he's got, you're, like I said, there's no way you're the only person that's contacting yeah, him. Yeah, no way. So, and I'll yeah. bet he's got funding offers. Oh, I yeah. mean, there's, there's, got, there's no way that this isn't going to develop into something real. It's really going to be really horrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got his Kickstarter video ready. You know? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's fan sites. Yeah, the fan I was really impressed really cool. by that. The fan site... 
Because I had seen the fan site. Slendergame.com. Yeah. 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 And they say this is not the actual. Yeah, Slendergame.com has a really cool fan video like this, like live action. Yeah, it's like a live action version of the game. It's really kind of cool. And that was what I saw before I saw anything of the game. So I was like, did they make a full motion video game like from the 90s style? So cool. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it was. That was really cool. And I guess we're going to have to give it an incomplete out of 10 Miyamoto's, but. Big question mark Miyamoto, blank face Miyamoto. (laughs) Yeah, so, but you know, it is interesting. I'll be intrigued to see where it goes from there. Slender Miyamoto. Slender, oh, Oh, jeez. My only hang up is that it seems that we're well on our way to getting ourselves a uh, Japanese tulpa. Tulpas are Japanese. I don't know, I'm saying. Where are tulpas from again? Tulpas are Tibetan. Yeah, but they're, they're just. These impressions on our psyche that. Okay, like, so explain what a tulpa is to the Pandemanga audience, please. All right. So essentially, it's a a being that's created from thought that you know a lot of people share. Like it's so, a we're making slender. Yeah, making, it manifests from real. psychic energy, basically. Right. right? Like yes. the more people that think of it, and the more powerful it gets, and then now since it's all unified and now it's kind of becoming solidified we're making it and not only are we making it we're making it like a Japanese demon or Japanese ghost so we can't fucking fight it because we all believe yeah we so so why don't we just insert onto the forums that you know it's afraid of kittens bells or kittens or (laughs) bells that's good yeah something something. so if we're heading in the Japanese demon direction let's just give it a cucumber and send it on its way (laughs) (laughs) make make it so that all you have to do is bow to it maybe yeah there you go the little spill its slender brains on oh. the ground or something. <laughs> Somehow we're just making this worse. <laughs> worse or better? No, worse. I, I like the bell idea. Let, let's just start thinking about that. Yes. Slenderman doesn't like the sound of bells. There we go. That's, okay. let's, 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 that's it. We're making we're making pandamanga.com comic about Slenderman hating bells. <laughs> let's just to yeah. save ourselves. <laughs> so I think that's all we've got to say today about Slenderman. Any other thoughts before we uh, sign off, you guys? I just can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, it's definitely exciting. We will stay tuned to that. I will post on the blog if I get any more inf- relevant information about things coming up with Slenderman. I will keep you guys updated on anything else that uh, Mark J. Hadley comes up with with this game. And moving forward, hopefully, it'll really become a full photo real, really scary ass game that I mm-hmm. want to play. But we'll probably be forced to play by the administrator. Oh, yeah. And a devious smile. <laughs> <laughs> so. On the big screen, lights off. So, you yeah. know it. Okay, coming up next, we're going to sit down and talk with Tigerpaw from AirPlus Recordings about what's going on in the uh, AirPlus world and what warms his little tiger heart. Stay tuned, and we'll get into that interview with Tigerpaw and check in with AirPlus and all the exciting things that are going on there and their generosity for sharing all of their amazing music. All right, let's get on to the interview. We are here with Tigerpaw coming in to talk to us about the developments in AirPlus recordings. A lot's been going on since we last saw him. Uh, gosh, like maybe six months ago, something like that? Yeah, I think yeah. it was about six months ago. Yeah, so we, uh, we we actually had Tigerpaw on a little while back. Do you remember which uh, number that was, the Brian? I do not. It's one of the comic episodes where we talk about Garfield. Yes, we oh, talked about Garfield and... We, and uh... 
Oh God! Well, I played was... live for you. I played two yes. songs. It was uh, it was a fun time. Yeah, it was good stuff. You can always go to podcast.pandamanga.com and do the search on the right side and just type in Tiger Paw. Anything to do with Tiger Paw at all will show up for you. Uh, and just look for one of the comics episodes. And we will try and put a link in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> and also, or you can do a search for Garfield and that'll bring it up a lot easier. Definitely bring it up a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you go to soundcloud.com slash Tiger Paw, I uploaded the podcast onto my uh, the stream. Interview, the interview with the yes. podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because podcasts are long. You, they have a limit, right? They do have a limit. I think I uploaded 20 minutes. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. That's what I can do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, on to the things that have been going on in the, in the Air Plus world that uh, is making your little tiger heart just grow bigger and bigger. Air Plus! <laughs> so, all kinds of exciting stuff. Our partnership with Air Plus Recordings continues, and much to our joy and excitement. It's always great to have powerfully awesome music to be able to use. I mean, just from a podcasting perspective, I don't know if you've looked into this at all, but it's a huge, giant hassle to go through all the garbage it takes to try and get approval and have it all legal to actually have songs that are more than like 15, 20 seconds long. So it's really, it's, <laughs> it's just been bitching for us to be able to have access to just the massive library of really excellent artists on AirPlus. And we're always, always excited to be able to share their music and hopefully the Pandamanga audience will take a trip over to AirPlusRecordings.com and check out some of their stuff and download some of their albums. Always very good, right? Yeah. All right. So uh, let's see. First thing we wanted to talk about today Air Plus, the singles, Volume 3, came out yesterday, which, which at the time of this recording, which is the 24th. So tell us a little bit about that. This is the third, obviously, Volume 3, the third yeah. of the singles in, what, a little over a year now? In a little over a year. Well, we do the singles uh, quarterly for the seasons. So this is the uh, summer installment of the uh, of the Air Plus recording singles volumes. We also try to like line up the music in the mood of the season, so I would say this one has a lot more summary, upbeat vibes. Definitely. definitely. You know? There's definitely a different feel to this It album. is, it is, you know, whereas uh, Spring had a lot of these uh, drum and bass, laid back liquid tracks, this one has a lot more upbeat, pop classics, and then uh, kind of lays you back with some dubstep, chill, you know, summery vibes at the end of the album. You know, something I noticed is there's a whole lot more vocals on this album than there ever was before. We are, we're going like a lot more pop savvy, a lot more... Um, you know, more to the true essence of what AirPlus Recordings is about, where we want to make more music than tracks. You know, a lot of right. kids make uh, tracks, you know, underground electronic tracks in their bedroom, you know, using, you know, using production equipment. And uh, what we want to do is really kind of uh, separate, you know, the men from the boys and, and really show those, those true standout vocal songs that are considered songs and not just tracks that right. you know make your head bounce and you know, these are real songs that make you feel something right well you know airplus recordings has quite a range of styles and artists and you know it's always very skillful but there's a lot going on there it's not just well this is a drum and bass label you know and oh, that's well, there's plenty I, of drum and bass yeah i wanted to get away from that really really quickly right off the bat because i did not absolutely do not want to be considered a specifically drum and bass label or a dubstep label. Or I just wanted, label. Yeah, yeah, I want to be considered a <laughs> fighting for the guy who doesn't have anybody to fight for him label. Right. You know, the, the, the underground producer that is so good but really doesn't have the exposure or the listens to uh, support the talent that is behind the track. 
And so uh, what we do is I have a few trained ears and myself and we go through a lot of the outlets and find what we think are some of the best um, unheard, untapped and un- you know unseen talent out there in the world. And I feel like with Singles Volume 3, we really did the best job in finding some of the best people. And we literally have represented the entire world from everywhere from South Africa to South America to Australia to Russia <laughs> you know, to Canada, to England, everywhere around the world. Well, and there was a couple of names on there that I hadn't seen before, and, and I'm pretty familiar it, yeah. with the roster. I stay up up to date on all the things going on. It's <laughs> kind of like, oh, I haven't seen that new, guy before. Yeah, yeah, picked up some new cats. Uh, Do you, uh, what's the count now, I mean, even just off the top of your head? You know, off the top of my head, what I like to do with the team of AirPlus is that, you know, there are a few cats that stick around. They consistently release with us all the time. They all know who they are. Right. You know, they're AirPlus family, and they're constantly on all of our releases. And uh, we've picked up a few cats along the way. Uh, Arm Nation out of Germany. Uh, Twin Cities out of Russia. Uh, and these are these are some groups that are absolutely brilliant and represent everything that AirPlus stands for. And we've just kind of found them along the way with as popular as we are starting to become more people are starting to pay attention, and I think we're kind of attracting likewise artists along the way as we go. Nice. It's yeah. very exciting. It's always great to see it grow. I can remember when it was just a handful of guys, and it's neat to see some of them still around. Now, actually, I had a quick question, just a personal aside, because I would say easily one of my favorite artists, I mean, I have several favorite artists, but one of the first tracks that we used on the podcast that really connected with me, because I personally, a little, a little sidebar, uh, JP, I myself really like uh, the 8-bit punk stuff. Uh, and so anything that has even like a hint of that, you know, sort yeah. of like, you know, deep down, you know, you can tell somebody has spent some time doing that or they have, you know, it's in their history and they kind of throw it in for flavor. Yeah. I mean, let's all be real. Chiptune is great for about two songs. <laughs> then you're done. <laughs> you know, it's like we can only listen to video game sounds for so long. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's a really neat flavor. And so I always like to hear some of the 8-bit stuff thrown in there. And Nest, right off the bat, caught my eye. And now I heard you say on the Ustream, which we'll get into this the AirPlus radio in a little while, but I heard you say something on the Ustream that that he is back under a different name because yeah. recently I was saying, what's up with Nest? And you were like, oh, he's he's not he's not making music anymore. And I, oh, I shed a little man. panda tear. It was so sad. <laughs> I shed a little tiger tear, to be honest. You know, I was I was, I was tripping at first because Nest uh, under the real name is Ruben... Uh, Kotkamp, I think, um, if I pronounced it right, and he's in he's in Holland now, living in England. And yes, he did reside as Nest for a while, and he was an amazing addition to the beginning roots of AirPlus recording. Absolutely, he disappeared for a second. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys are just geniuses and eccentric, like I am, and so I just have to be patient with. We understand like, it. You know, you got yeah, the mad yeah, you're artists. Yeah, it's like I mean, I know, I'm sure you're the same way. Like me, yeah. you know, I. I have to set alarms my entire life. My iPhone is tied into my entire life because if I don't have an alarm reminding me to do every little thing in my day, I'll just sit in front of my tablet and draw all day. That's all I'll do. I- yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. As eccentric, artistically minded, right-brained, wired folks are, you know, definitely on another schedule. Yeah, no doubt. Well, Ness was uh, Ness was Definitely doing his thing for a while, and then he got accepted to a pretty prestigious music producing academy in oh. England. Wow. Oh, wow. And that's why he's living there now. 
Um, the deal with why he changed his name is that when we looked into publishing as Nest, there is already obviously a plethora of groups named Nest ah. that have been published and are in either the alternative rock or electronic fields. So when we looked at it, we first tried to restructure it as capital N-E-S capital T. And unfortunately, publishing in iTunes couldn't quite work with that. And uh, Nest went pretty silent for a little bit. Oh, no. He re- and then he replied to me that he didn't. He was quitting and he didn't want to record anymore. And then he came back saying he wanted to change his name to Essex. Which, after research, nobody is named Essex. We are going with it. We are loving it. And so then uh, we can we can expect an Essex yes, album, an Essex an Essex EP slash album very soon. Oh, that's uh, exciting! Yes, and he came out with that this new tune on Singles Three with Barely Purple, which is like one of my favorite it's tunes a ever. Track. It's a yes. sick track. Absolutely. I'm currently in the process of talking with my publishers and getting all the Nest tunes uh, actually rechanged into the artist Essex. Nice. Which will be a fun legal process, which will be a new learning experience oh. for me. Oh, fun. Oh, every day. Every day. Every day. So I hear that coming up, you, Tigerfall, are actually doing shows in Vancouver. Is that right? That is true and yeah, correct, Brian. Yeah, the uh, Vancouver, BC, uh, Club Serotonin, the promoters, this guy Matt, who also goes under the name Reverence, he's been a big fan of mine for about. You know, ever since I've been Tiger Paw, he's been a good fan, you know, constantly checking up on what I'm doing. And he's been playing my tunes at this club for a while. He's uh, he's a consistent DJ there and a promoter. And so finally came time for him to uh, to get it up to say, you know, hey, Tiger Paw, come to Canada. We'll fly you out here and play some shows. And, uh, of course, I was more than savvy to do it. So, um Probably in late August, early September. Um, we haven't confirmed the exact date. We're looking like it's going to be August 28th, maybe through September 1st or 2nd. I'm going to be in Canada playing some shows. And uh, Club Serotonin is going to be flying me out there. And then later on, we've actually already confirmed... Uh, it's in October, right? October. Big shows uh, during the Halloween season, 18th to the 22nd. We'll be playing some shows there as well, and uh, hopefully getting uh, Air Plus artist Blind State, who lives in Washington nice. State, up there in uh, Vancouver, BC. We'll be uh, smoking some fine, fine green and playing some drum and bass underground, and uh, it'll be a great, great time. I'm very excited and very, very grateful to Serotonin and Matt for hooking it up. So where where can we go to stay up to date on those things? You know, especially for the the your Canadian and our Canadian listeners. I would say definitely uh, my Facebook page as Tigerpaw, facebook.com slash Tigerpaw Music would be the uh, go to source for all the latest things happening. I always announce new things that I'm doing on that site. Um, also, uh, Revenants R R E V E N E N T Z um forward slash after facebook they're the promoter and uh, incredible incredible canadian dj duo and they're helping me out a lot so um keep up to date with that 
hopefully I'm trying to uh, maybe become a uh, kind of like resident DJ there and maybe can hang out in Canada for a while and spend some shows and really get a positive response. It's hard in the US. It's hard, especially for drum and bass. I think it's more popular in uh, other countries. So, Well, I mean, the best, I mean, like typically you hear people say, you know, what's the best drum and bass stuff? And it's typically out of Europe, right? Exactly. Exactly. It's hard to make it in the United States, especially... Uh, when we're so driven with some pretty, you know, hard-hitting house, electro-step kind of feel in the clubs, uh, you know, there's not really a spot for some intelligent, deep-thinking liquid drum and bass in the clubs. And uh, I feel well, like that market... the other day, I was like, hey, Tiger Paw, what's, what's a good... <laughs> good drum and bass to to you know to start, uh, <laughs> start a radio with on 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 Spotify, and you're like, that's guy. Yeah, Netsky is the only dude I can think of. I mean, there's a few, like, in drum and bass world, the, the only people I can really think of is, uh, you know, there's high contrast, logistics, and Netsky. And that's liquid drum and bass. And, uh, you know, in, in San Francisco, the biggest group is uh, Bachelors of Science. But, you know, close friends with Bachelors of Science... You know they're they're still struggling and and it's just not well received. Like the audience isn't there. Exactly, it's exactly. Yeah. It's not like how it used so to be. So you go to where they are. Just go to Canada. Exactly. I'm gonna go. I, that's what I mean. You know, I'm gonna be heading up to Canada. I think, uh, you know, with with looking at, at how set up they are and, and seeing the amount of response and and plays I'm getting from there, it just makes all sense. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to stay tuned to facebook.com forward slash Tigerpaw Music. Yep. And uh, find out what's going on as as September and moving into October. Late August. Late August. Late August, yep. Late August. Around there. And then uh, also December, I've also kind of been in talks about doing a white Christmas liquid drum and bass show. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We have these crazy talks about doing maybe a Christmas Eve into Christmas. I'm not kidding. How sick would that be? Yeah. That's the place Drum and bass white Christmas where we have like white glitter coming from the (laughs) coming from the skylights as I'm playing liquid drum and bass onto the crowd of you know, mother and fatherless children that are lost in ecstasy. Oh, it's cold. Well, just before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about DNBB. It's coming out of Brazil. What What is that? What, uh, DNBB is Drum and Bass Brazil, and uh, they're an awesome label out of Brazil. They're the only really Brazil drum and bass label, and uh, they offered to give me an awesome little EP, a few tracks that will be released on their label, uh, a lot of summer vibes, and maybe, possibly, if I play my cards right, I could go to Brazil and play some shows with them. That's so really oh, cool. Man. Now, how's the scene in Brazil? You know, I think it's pretty good. They got a lot of upcoming scenes. I mean, obviously, it's a pretty, uh, you know, open-minded philosophy community down there in Sao Paulo and, like, everywhere. So I, I kind of feel like it would naturally take to the high energy of drum and bass and nice. and Tiger Paw music and all well, that kind well, of I'd stuff. Well, I'd be looking forward to keeping up to date on that. And that's probably another thing we could find on your Facebook, right? Because that's a specific Exactly, thing, exactly. Right? And I'm, I'm kind of, like, plugging away at tunes, like, here and there for it. And it should spec to, I would say, in the early winter, you know, you know, and these are October, all going to be new November. tunes, or is there going to be a all new things? tunes? All, all new tunes. tunes. I'm keeping nice. them super, super secret and uh, not not letting them out until they are finally all ready to come out. How exciting! <laughs> That's cool. That's awesome. So we had kind of alluded to earlier, but now you guys have a uStream. Yeah, Air Force Air Radio. Radio. Radio.
Yeah, AirPlus Radio. Oh my gosh, that has been my new passion. I think I've spent more time on AirPlus Radio in the last week than I have spent on any kind of tunage or anything. There's something about direct connection with your it listeners. Really your is, it really is. It really is. It's fun. It feels like I'm running a television <laughs> network or something. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to get. Uh, what we did is we got a, we got a really awesome account on Ustream and. Uh, so it's ustream.com forward slash user forward slash AirPlus Radio, or you could just go to airplusrecordings.com, you know, uh, Facebook, AirPlus Radio, uh, there's all the links. But uh, what it is, is it's basically an open forum radio site for all of our friends and family. We have a lot, a lot of talented producers that are also DJs, and we have a lot of friends that are also DJs, and we have a lot of friends that do cool shit. And so what we want to do is, like, feature them as often as possible in a, in a timely fashion to where we can get everybody to present their material and we could have an awesome audience to kind of receive that and it would be just kind of their own show so whoever is open to it i uh, suggest them to contact me and then we hook up and they get to an hour to show what they got and it's a great open forum to uh, to kind of see what's out there in the music world one of the great avenues about just direct streaming is that you have a lot more liberties with licensed music because you're streaming as opposed to what we do, which is a podcast where the files are downloaded so you can just grab them off. You guys can actually do awesome remixes of cool yeah. tracks that are already out there. True. Like, it's kind of like, and that's what I tell the artists. I'm like, they're like, where are the rules? I'm like, no fucking rules. Play whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Say fuck. Smoke weed on there. I don't give a fuck. Like, do whatever you want to do on your show. It's your hour to do whatever you want to do. And so far, within the measly five days that we've been podcasting, the response has been absolutely overwhelming. And I cannot thank our listeners and viewers for their support enough because it's been absolutely crazy. Uh, the other day, we we had uh, Medication Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> Which we're now starting. Oh, Episode two, oh, dude, Medication Monday is off the hook because Mondays fucking suck. So Agreed. get your medication on. Check out Medication Monday. What we what we try to do is we get the dirtiest, most fucked up dubstep producers around the world <laughs> to spin their gnarliest, gnarliest bass wobbly tunes. <laughs> You know, just and, bang out. Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. The suggestion is is to make Monday a third Sunday. Nice. <laughs> like you want to make it a third day of your weekend. Do you Love know it. what I mean? Love it. Like Monday is the first day of your week, but you're really checking out to make it your third day of your weekend. And uh, medication Mondays is where it uh, where it's at. Now, is that a show that's currently on there? Yeah, yeah. The second second show is the most popular one. The last Monday so we you had. Have, like, a, is there is there like somewhere we can go where we can get like a list of the shows and we can know when to be there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can go to airplusrecordings.com has all the info you need. There's a tab that has Airplus Radio. You can also go to Facebook, search for Airplus Radio. We're there. All the old streams are up there. What's really awesome is if you miss a broadcast. You can totally restream it for, yeah, for up to months, like a right? couple months. Yeah, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, exactly. So it gives you like a lot of time to to get your shit together and <laughs> watch something that you might have. Well, missed. Like, like like for example, you know, I was actually going to come over to your house and check out that first, you know, Tiger Den 
Yeah. And and but then I'm I'm working, right? I work, you know, Saturday night overnight. And so I couldn't make it. So the next day, Sunday, I'm I'm working away on the website and I just pull up the the saved stream and it's like there we go. Exactly. And you don't even have to watch us. I mean, we try to make it interesting as as interesting as we can make it. I mean, I know Mr. Wicker on Monday did some crazy shit with some masks. <laughs> I can see that now. Oh, it was fantastic. He had anonymous masks. He had a werewolf mask. He had a gas mask. Dude, the dude, the so dude is off the hook. He's uh, off the hook, spinning like the dirtiest dubstep you could ever imagine, too. Nice. And that's the best part, you know? And so it's like, uh, but, you know, keep it on your tabs. You know, you stream AirPlus Radio. We're going to try to stay on the air as consistently as we can. We're getting, we have basically right now, we have Medication Mondays. Which is at what time? Which is basically, it starts at 6 p.m. Cali time and ends okay. 9 p.m. Cali time. So, so that's, that's minus solid, Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a solid three hours of, of straight dubstep and craziness. And, and we usually feature one to three DJs. Um, and that's what we're doing. My big show, The Tiger Den, which if you go to facebook.com forward slash Tiger Den, is a site and oh, it I is can a like show. The Tiger Den? You can like the Tiger Den. Nice, you can check it. into the <laughs> Tiger <laughs> Den. Yes, the Tiger Den will be my Saturday show, starting at nine, hopefully ending around eleven. And uh, the idea is to just basically make it the best show ever. So I've already gone out and invested in getting lights, better equipment. I'm inviting people for the next show. So the next Saturday, 9 p.m. Cali time. So that's the place to be. The Tiger Den. The Tiger Den. I've already got strobe light, so oh, uh, everybody must be in attendance. <laughs> yes. Well, was, there, was there anything else you wanted? To, oh, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about where you can get uh, the singles volume three and the price differences. We're oh yes, about that beforehand. So so currently it's what seven ninety nine on it's Amazon. Amazon.com, eight bucks. You get twenty nine high quality handcrafted I mean, that's electronic two, tracks. You try and fit twenty nine on one disc. Exactly. It's not it, yeah. No. I mean, you're stupid not to buy it. You know, and eight bucks you get like, and we're talking. This is this is some incredible, incredible music. Uh, I and can vouch also, for that. I've been bumping it in my car all week, yeah. preparing songs for the podcast. I mean, we're really up in the ante on this one. You oh, know, yeah. really up in the ante. I think each of these are bona fide radio singles each. You can also get the album for a flat six dollars, which is fucking crazy, on AirPlusRecordings.com. Uh, yeah, you guys just upgraded your website with a marketplace. We right? did, we did, and you can go on the mar- You can go on the website. You can get clothes. You can get all. Of, you can, we got a bunch of free albums on there. I mean, you don't gotta like spend anything really. If you're really broke and you want to get some awesome music, go to AirPlusRecordings.com. Get all the freebies. Freebies. Yeah, just grab them up. And there's there's hours of music there. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, and it's great shit. And then also on iTunes, dun dun dun. <laughs> it's more expensive on iTunes because iTunes is. is, you know, the way it is. But it's international, so if you're if you're in some obscure part of the world, you can get it on iTunes. Or you can definitely still get it on AirPlusRecordings.com. Or you can still definitely get it on AirPlusRecordings.com. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of customers. I have a lot of people that don't like iTunes. Yeah, you know, I was actually just talking to a friend this afternoon because he has a little Sansa. MP3 player. 
Yeah. And the Sansa, if anybody doesn't know, it's the, the, you just plug it in. It's like a little external hard drive. You just drag and drop the MP3s in there. There's no syncing. There's no bullshit. You know, and I, I was talking about it. He's like, I still use this thing. I love this thing. You bought it years ago, you know? And I, I'm just, I'm looking at him and I'm looking at my iPhone and I'm jealous because I plug in my iPhone. What's the first thing it does? I have to update. And then it's done updating. I have to back everything up now. It's like, dude, I just want to get like 10 more tracks on there. It's like, I need 20 minutes first. It's so stupid. <laughs> you know, it's just like, can't you just drag it and make it so easy? So, like, everything involved <laughs> with the Apple and the iTunes and everything, it's like it's all oh. meant to make it easy, but it just makes it, like, 300 extra steps for anybody who has their ass from their elbow on a computer. It's so frustrating. Uh, so, I mean, I totally feel yeah. that there's a group of people, you know, a lot of people that you know, that's just like, <laughs> oh, man, there's, fuck iTunes. No, there's, I mean, Apple's in general, you know, before my first, uh, that first era, Plus Radio, the first Tiger Den. I was I was trying to get a exclusive Imogen Heap remix that I'm doing for Imogen Heap. And really? Yeah, that's a big deal. I should have mentioned that in the highlights. Maybe yeah, I'm a big Imogen Heap fan. <laughs> yeah, so that's doing, awesome. Doing a, an actual licensed remix for Imogen Heap, and wow. uh, and that's Which, what actually song is it? Uh, Carabit. Right. And yeah, so Carabay, it's actually not a very uh, known song. My homie Run CT hooked it up with the first version of the Chops. I took that and took it like 20 steps further with a full on drum and bass song. But I said, you know, like, why don't we just try to get this legitimate? Instead of just trying to do a bootleg remix. So how do you go about doing that? You go and talk to... It's a trip. Yeah, you do a lot of emails. A lot of emails. Yeah, it's like it's like 80 emails later. And you're, <laughs> like, you're like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm you're allowed saying, to yeah, do this. This is slow moving. Yes, exactly. And you're like, oh, cool. At the end of the day, I'm allowed to make a song. So That's pretty exciting. I, I was trying to remi- or I was trying to bounce out a preview of a song. And, and poor iTunes just would not let... Me- <laughs> they just weren't having it before my first broadcast. But I promise... <laughs> The next uh, Tiger Den broadcast, I will have a preview of that Image and Heap remix. So that will be coming up this Saturday. That's Dude, awesome. I cannot wait. Yeah, yeah it'll, be, it'll be very cool. Big ups. All right. Well, that the things we've covered, everything we want to talk about. Thanks so much for coming by and uh, recording with us today. It's always exciting to talk to you. <laughs> it's always exciting to talk to you and uh, always looking forward to what's going on in the ever-growing and changing AirPlus world. It's pretty exciting. So uh, I hope that we can continue to collaborate moving forward. Like I said before we started recording, I have been looking into animation stuff in my itty-bitty free time. <laughs> a little little tiny pinch of free time. But yeah, I have been looking into the animation stuff. So hopefully, I mean, I would say probably within six months or something like that, we can actually talk about maybe doing some music videos and stuff and, you know, throwing up some silly shit on the Ustream and we get times. So a year since when we first talked about it. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> so a year since we first talked about music videos, we'll get a music video out. Well, yeah. Well, hey, man, what it's not year? like it's the only thing I've got going on. It does take a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I, actually, I realized after after the launch, I, and I've been like going through the launch for a couple weeks now. Yeah. And I, I sat back and I like I like thought, wait a second, what have I really committed to here? <laughs> you know? And I played it out, and I'm like, I'm like, I've committed to personally be responsible for creating, editing, and uploading 
six com- six <laughs> comic strips a, week, a, a month, two podcasts, mm-hmm. and four movie reviews. That's a shit ton, man. That's a lot. And I have like a real normal. And human, I have a real normal I have a real ass fucking job. job, right? That's what I said when I started Air Plus recording. Tell me. Hey, said, you know what though? I mean, I, but but to tell you the truth, our ad income has really jumped up. It's looking like yeah. people are really responding. We get a lot of hits. Yeah, it's really exciting. And so maybe someday I can just give the big middle finger to the normal job and actually do this for a living. That's, I, what, that's what we're all hoping. I think that's uh, the dream. Uh, but it's maybe, not a dream. It's it's what we're working yeah, towards. Yeah, we take and, incremental steps towards it every day. That's you, not my it, dream. No, my no, dream, your dream is, is to is to ride on my coattails and be in my entourage, or or, or blackmail or me, or blackmail me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. One of the two. Whatever will make you rich. Yeah. <laughs> it's much easier to just mooch off of a rich friend than make yourself rich and successful. Yeah. So either entourage or blackmail. That's your pretty that's much. The exactly. ultimate plan. <laughs> I am way too lazy to make myself successful. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's been great talking to you, Tiger Paw. Thanks for coming on to Geek Life. Well, always JP in the brain. The Brian. Are we calling him the brain or the no, brain? No, you know, it's that, the that's Brian. the funniest Why thing. don't we call him the brain, though? He's so brainy. That, that, was his, that was his original name back in the day when we were all working web design together. Oh, well, the Brian. Why don't we call you the... Uh, you know I, what? Let, can, can I officially... You can, you can interchangeably call him the brain if you want. Yes, you I want. will. I will. I'll use the my brain. celebrity status. <laughs> I'll, celebrity. I'll pull one celebrity card out. There it is. It's on the table. <laughs> I'm now officially bequeathing the Brian as the brain. <laughs> Done. All right. All right. Well, Will, uh, like I said, exciting to have you on the show and looking forward to getting uh, catching up with you in another couple months and see where things have gone. I am actually personally very excited about Year Plus Radio. That is really cool. I mean, that's because that's a totally different direction. And, than anything and, we and, and I really want to incorporate Panda Manga video get your pretty faces online and oh, see yeah. y'all on there talking about all the cool movies and video games and comics that all the, be coming all the geekery. out all the geekery because you know music producers we we you know we talk a big game but in reality we're all fucking geeks <laughs> I can, I can I can seriously talk a heavy Star Trek game with most of my artists. No shit. <laughs> no shit. So for those of you that don't know, Tiger Paw and JP have been friends forever. Ever. And, and one of the first things we connected on was Star Wars, like, big Easy. time. Easy. <laughs> Dude. Like, we memorized, like, the technical manual when we were, like, eight years old. Dude, are you in those, everything. like, infamous JP childhood yeah. Star yeah, Casey, Wars fans? Yeah, yeah. Easy. Tiger Paw Easy. Is, Easy. Is, is, is the counterpart to those videos. It was his mom's video camera. Yeah, yeah. We used to make. Well, we weren't. We weren't content with the three original Star Wars films at the time, and uh, this was before Lucas went and raped his own films. So we decided. And our we decided to make our own extensions of the original trilogy. Yeah, there's a saga of Tanel Ka. Tanel Ka. Oh my god! So someday, someday we'll have to find you have some, and supposedly I have some, and we're just gonna have to load those and then you stream those bastards. <laughs> Please, okay. oh can my we? god, so good. Right. That's career suicide. <laughs> That's career suicide. Say goodbye. The best way possible. You need to do is you need to like, like put, make a soundtrack. No, no, I can remix it. I literally can remix your voice being like, Delka, we need to go down to the Bespin system and mine for... I need a new crystal for my lightsaber. I want it to be purple. A new crystal for my lightsaber. 
Oh have the admin make some special effects oh, for you guys. So good, so good. All right. Well, anyway, back at the point. Yes. Um, it was good to have you, and we're, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> much love. Thank you. Much love to Panda Manga, and uh, we will be always uh, staying tuned to everything you guys are doing. You guys are animation geniuses, and uh, we will always be incorporating and providing the musical soundtrack to your animation and artistic vision. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, All right. We'll see you next time. Beautiful. Later. So yeah, this has been Geek Life Games Podcast. Thank you guys for showing up and putting in your two to four cents. Good. <laughs> um, it's always fun to share uh, geekery with you guys. Uh, thanks again, Nero, for coming in. No problem. And uh, you know, Joe and Administrator no. Henry. Stuck on the pub bells. <laughs> Uh, I think I think let's make an official announcement here. Joe has been on so many podcasts so often, so regularly that Joe is officially the other co-host. I've been promoted. I, I think that I think that it's just doesn't feel right without Joe here, regardless of the subject. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean, we love to have everybody that's ever been involved in Pandemega here, even though it would be impossible to do a podcast if everybody was here. <laughs> But you know we're, we're no, all we part did of the, that podcast, and it was long. It was five hours super long. ridiculous long, and I never want to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I mean, obviously we love having everybody that's been involved in the you know Geek Life podcast here. But you know Joe has become such a fixture, uh, mm. you know, just jumping through every single different thing, always making himself available. It's just good to have you around, bro. Oh, thanks. So we'll have to come up with uh, some ridiculous title for you for the intro mm. forthcomingly. So, all right, um, the I'm Joe. Have to the Joe. Step it up to the Joe. Try and, yeah, try you gotta work Brian. your way up to getting the in your name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, Brian, Brian is I the started as A Joe. A Joe. A Joe. He's just A Joe out there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Be sure to go to pandamanga.com and check out our recent comic updates and podcasts and all that fun stuff. There are always good things on there. At least three days a week will be releases Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 10 a.m. So be sure to check in with us regularly and just enjoy the content and get in on the uh, the community. And remember, folks, if you really enjoy the podcast and the comics on our site, please tell a friend or two. If you can't stand our podcast or any of the comics on the site, tell please some tell people a friend you or hate. two. <laughs> uh, yeah, please tell your friends or hey, somebody you really hate. And tell enjoy them it's some so bad that you dare them to go to the now. website. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and as of course, if you if you ever have any questions or comments about Geek Life, just email us at geeklifeatpandamanga.com, and we'll maybe email you back. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Uh, yes, exactly. Anyway, so uh, we will see you guys next time. Good night and good luck, folks. Excelsior! <laughs> <laughs> Where do you even get Bell? 
Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. We'll see you next time. Say fuck the fucking rules. I don't give a fuck. Mondays fucking suck, so fucked up dubstep fucking crazy.